Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 74 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 24th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the voice that launched a thousand ships and the man who just loves screaming about snacks, Just Insane 0516. How the drops been for you? Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, pretty good. Um, there was a rogue chicken um, at work today. <laughs> One of the gentlemen who also happens to be a farmer was—he uh, got out of his truck, and apparently a chicken stowed away, and it jumped out and, and made a break for freedom. And several, several of the plant workers chased it to no avail. And he told them that uh, whoever caught it got to keep would, it. Would, Got to keep the chicken, and he did not crawfish on this claim. Someone caught it at approximately two forty <laughs> Central Standard Time, and took the chicken home. I I hope to lay eggs or <laughs> or whatever you do with the chicken in modern society. Fry it. I can only guess. You name it, Karen, and teach it to fall down in bars. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Oh, do you have, do you need to explain that story? No, no, we're not going to explain no, that. We're good. Story. We're good. Okay. Look at the lexicon of jokes. We're yeah. Good. Okay. Oh my god. Um, well, Mel is out this week due to some schedule conflicts that have come up. She's hoping that she's going to be able to jump back onto the stream starting in March. We'll keep you tuned on any updates that we get as well on that. But be sure to give her some love over on Twitter at Wind of the Stars. In the meantime. And then from the depths of the madness-inducing mind maps, we are also joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope, you're, hope you've been doing well. How's the week been going for you? Not too bad. I actually jumped into Destiny again for a bit just to play Crucible because, you know, the new meta is sidearms and hand cannons and auto rifles, which I'm really not an auto rifle fan, but the hand cannons, yeah, I will, I will run that. It's. I'd have to say I'm kind of happy that the shotgun meta is dead. It's. It's so dead, and I can actually take out a shotgunner before he gets to my face. Yes. Should we pour a drink for the shotgun meta? No, we shouldn't. No, that's the answer. We shouldn't. If we do, if we do, you just take a lighter and burn it as soon as it hits the ground. I'm dancing on that grave. Oh my god! I'm so happy. Even going into oh, what is it called? The one where it was just shotgun meta the whole time. The Crucible type. Supremacy? Supremacy? Yes. Oh, my God. I can actually play Supremacy now. It's so amazing. See, see. Just, in order to play that, I have to be able to get into the game. And Yeah, that's rough for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, but you have yeah. the new beta for that. and Yeah. I, the yeah. trade-off is I get access to all the cool stuff on yeah. Xbox. Yeah. Well, <laughs> But you you do realize that the end game here with Xbox is for you to be able to play video games. And if <laughs> I can play SWAT, play we're video good. Games. I can play SWAT, we're good. <laughs> okay. Open says that I think they they got it fixed, so I'll have to try that. Okay. Hey. I'm glad to see. Maybe that. My, maybe the other games that was giving me trouble for will let me in too. So you don't play other games. Uh, DC Universe. We tried to play that this Wednesday, and uh, that's true. It did not go well, <laughs> to say the least. I was taking a nap. Um, we we are aware. 
Next time we want pictures. I don't. Map. I don't want pictures. Just one picture okay. of him and Gavin all cuddled up. Oh, okay. That, I mean, that's where he falls asleep every time. Pretty much. I don't even know why I have a bed. <laughs> <laughs> the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the exotic primary weapons that our guardians have access to currently. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we looked at some of the inspirations from mythology that helped shape the figure of the Traveler. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internets. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, Paragon Radio. Our next chat's going to be an exploration of exotic special weapons. With that, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had on the primary exotic weapons. Lorbot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Thanks, Randy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so if we're going to talk about the exotic weapons, let's just go by type. We can start with the first if we're going to do alphabetical um, weapon type, which would be the auto rifle. All purpose weapons of war. The standard auto rifle is ideal for a number of combat scenarios. Stability is key to controlling fully automatic weapons. Yeah. So um, I think that's how they actually um, intended the auto rifle to be um, in the beginning, but it kind of became a really super close range thing and it didn't really work out that way to where it was such an all-purpose weapon. Really, the, the scout rifle kind of filled that role. Or but pulse. if we're going to – yeah, yeah, the pulse too. The pulse, especially as far as something you could get used to and use in PvP or PvE, um, it would be the pulse. But let's talk about auto rifles. And we want to talk about the first in the long line of exotic auto rifles. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first one is actually, from a lore perspective, actually one of my favorites is the uh, Fabian strategy. And so unlike unlike the exotic armors, we actually have Grimoire cards. Uh, so we actually have something to read for this section. Uh, so Fabian strategy, the flavor text is wait for enemy to make a mistake, die, stand by for ghost resurrection, repeat as necessary. And it's basically a conversation between Banshee and the Cryptarch. And so it goes, it starts off, well, Justin, you want to help me out with this one? Or Green, do you want to help me out? Sure. So do you want to be 
Cryptarch or do you want to be Banshee? Uh, let's, I'll do Banshee. <clears throat> okay. So it's going to start off, it'll start off, I'll be Cryptarch, uh, Green's going to do Banshees. All right, so, good evening, Banshee44. Howdy. Doing well, thank you. Actually, I had a bit of difficulty today. Uh, the problem is with the historical engram is even if I can figure out where the engram is encoded, that still doesn't tell me when the contents were written or even when the events described by the writer take place. Uh huh. This particular engram is heavily degraded, encoded mid golden age, allegedly written by someone named Plutarch, a historian who in turn is writing about someone named Fabius Maximus. But who were they? Where did they live? What can, what kind of warfare was this Fabian strategy applied? The what now strategy? The Fabian strategy. It apparently involves attrition tactics and avoiding direct conflict until an enemy makes a mistake. Huh. Huh, indeed. But with the ghost red... Oh, no, 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 no. This was long before ghosts, I think. Wait, Banshee, where where are you going? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Loose ghost voice is on point. I I love, love this conversation between the two of them. But uh, the the interesting thing about the Fabian strategy is that, first off, there's a few few notable figures that are mentioned in this card. Uh, That's Plutarch and Fabius Maximus. Now, Plutarch was actually a Greek-born historian and writer who wrote a biography on Fabius Maximus, who was a Roman politician in general. He was born in Rome around 280 BC and died in Rome about 203 BC. So he actually lived a pretty good long life. And he invented this military tactic that was eventually called the Fabian strategy, which is basically a defensive position, um, but it's also known as the war of attrition. Uh, and this is predominantly used against the the invading forces of Hannibal. Uh, we I actually went ahead and I put a link to Wikipedia which actually has a pretty decent summary of the Fabian strategy. Um, and this, and basically it walks through the history history and actually the political ramifications of it. We've talked a little bit about it, uh, in previous episodes, I think, especially, I believe it was episode 27. Um, and I actually also included a link to the Cryptarchs wiki where Unisyst has actually put a couple, a couple of really good points on as well. But, this was predominantly used in a battle against Hannibal, who was an invading force from uh, the. Why am I suddenly going blank? Carthaginians. Um, and so he was actually invading, and Hannibal actually did a really good job of this entire process. He actually walked over mountains, uh, which scared the the daylights out of the Italians because it was supposed to be unpassable mountains. And not only that, he brought elephants, which is something that none of the Romans had ever seen before. So everyone was losing their minds over this. And so basically they tasked uh, Fabius with the... uh, with the task of defeating Hannibal, ultimately, which was kind of a tall order, and Hannibal was pretty pretty aware of himself on the battlefield. So what he did, what Fabius did, was he basically, he tried, he tried to use the normal tactics that the Romans had, you know, basically been winning up until this point with, and that didn't really work against elephants. So what he did was he developed a strategy in which he started instead of 
instead of engaging him, he started actually avoiding engaging him in pitched battles. And so that not only deprived him of victories, but he actually started, um, he started chipping away at Hannibal's supply lines. And so he was going around the main army and actually chipping. So it was, it was this huge, huge campaign of avoiding the battle, which for a Roman was a very big, big issue. Uh, and so, like I said, the link actually goes into a lot of detail, especially about the political opposition. Um, Fabius actually did end up winning with his strategy. The cost, though, was he kind of lost everything politically. So I'm I'm not sure if you want to say that he won ultimately, but he, he did he did save Rome from Hannibal for a little bit at least. So that but that's uh I guess a really brief rundown of Fabian. Um I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I could speak to. I think I I think I knocked most of that out in a fairly short order. I guys so guys got anything else for me on Fabian? Other than I, this is a gun I've really never ever used. Yeah, me oh, neither. And this is a Titan exotic. It's not fit for uh hunter hands. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird one. War, okay, so that's that's interesting in and of itself that in fact the fact that it's a Titan item and that Titans were the ones that secure the wall. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that they would have a they would fight <laughs> with a war of attrition. So as far as fitting the class, it totally does in that aspect. Yeah, and if you look at the flavor text, it actually, you know, it even talks about how how the Guardians use ghosts to wage a war of attrition against all their enemies. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have the flavor text of other other items in which, you know, like the hunter uh, the hunter boots, where it's like, how do you clear a minefield? Step one, step on the mine. Step two, wait for ghost revival. Step mm-hmm. three, repeat step one. You know, right. and so this this is another another indication that you know guardians are well aware of the usefulness of their their inability to permanently die. So I, I think that, and I, I love how it's like repeat as necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think Where do that you was, think Banshee goes to in this? I think Banshee just is getting away from the the cryptarch, just because he's talks so fast. Yeah, I, I think just Banshee is a individual, of few words, hmm. a few synapses. Yeah, <laughs> grunts, words. The what now strategy? The what now strategy? Yeah, that's a good line. Okay, well, we can move on to the next one, which is hard light. Uh, hard light from the grimoire is ion, ionize polymer symbolistic attack platform. The system's lethality is dynamically robust across tactical spaces. As the city's understanding of golden age methods expands, foundries continue to push the cutting edge of tactical ar- armament. The hard light prototype is a showcase built with the rarest recovered materials and the most compu- computationally demanding design methods. The, the design team included several specialist exos and at least one warlock phantonaut. In its current iteration, the hardlight design fires a superheated polymer round with exotic capabilities. And can I say that this gun has shown up so much since the new update? I've 
been killed by this gun a ton. The ping pong gun. Oh my gosh. Everywhere. It's so pretty. It is. It is pretty. And I love the science behind this. Like, mm-hmm. so hard light is technically something that shows about up in both uh, sci-fi and as, as well as in real science and in in theater, which I kind of, brings me back to home a little bit so in science you you see it and it's the hardening of light into a solid whereas light normally it's either a uh a, now i'm losing my brain cells the, just reading the the banshee yeah but it also has been considered a wave as well as a particle mm-hmm. that's where i was going well that's light right it, well it okay so it's the uh the cat schrodinger's cat of of beams type thing. It can be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, many novels it, use it as a material for civil usages, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Halo uses it for bridges. Symmetra um, uses it for turrets. Yeah. Symmetra. Yeah. Symmetra uses it for a lot of things Her shield. Everything is pretty much a hard light. Same thing for, if we're going to go into overwatch, a lot of the characters use hard, hard light. So does, um, Gosh, what's his name? Shield Man. Reinhardt. Oh, Reinhardt. There we go. Reinhardt uses it too. Um, also used in polymer as a compound made of bound of molecules. If it's ionized, the definition of ionized atom are groups of atoms that have a positive or negative electric charge. As far as like my background knowledge is hard light, it takes me back to theater. In theater, hard light is the term for a spotlight. So when you do a spot, if you're doing any sort of lighting technician type stuff, you want a hard light, which is a very focused beam of light, which you get from a hard spotlight. There's another type of light that is called the soft light, and it's used for background and kind of it's the one that has just the soft edges, whereas hard lights give you really, really hard edges in it. You can literally see if the in a theater... When a spotlight cuts through it, you can see the dust particles in the air hanging around. Whereas a a soft spotlight, you really can't. It's just yeah, it's, looted. That's a matter of diffusion. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. I would imagine it is. And so, it, oh no, go ahead. The way they create that effect, it is a reflection spot. So that spotlight itself is called a Frenzel's lantern which has a reflector, slight reflector beam inside of it, so it doesn't have that straight focus that the regular spotlights do. I got you. So it it actually refers to it as a sin ballistic platform, uh, attack platform. Are we thinking, that's not a current word, sin ballistic. I'm thinking synthetic ballistic, but what are you guys thinking? Because it is ionized polymer, which is essentially, I'm thinking plastic bullets, but I could be wrong. Well, <laughs> plastic bullets, I mean, that's what molten we have plastic as, bullets. As far as reference, if you go into, okay, so if you go into molten, you go into the idea of it being plasma, but light technically isn't plasma either. Plasma mm-hmm. is bright enough to be considered so, a lighting source, but that's not what it is. If it's an ionized polymer, is it not an ionomer? Stop making up words. Mm-hmm. I didn't. That's a real word. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ionomer. 
is a polymer that comprises repeat units of both electrically neutral repeating units and a fraction of ion ionized units. Um, usually no more than about 15 mole percent. I mean, I'd have to look it up to see if that's correct, but I think that's in the ballpark. Um, what do you think, Green? You <laughs> tapped out of my scientific knowledge on light. No, no. So I, I'm just, I, I'm imagining ionized polymer, which to me, I'm thinking molten plastic bullets, but I could be wrong. Um, okay. Polymer is just a term for a grouping. A type of bond, right? A grouping, yes. It's not yeah. necessarily plastic. That's what yeah. we use most often because we use a lot of plastic polymers, but that's not exactly what all polymers are. Okay. I got you. So in this case, in this case, I think hard light, it just given the the description here we have of the attack platform, I think it's hard light is a figurative description of this weapon. I don't think this is necessarily an, an exhibition of the hard light concepts we've seen in other bits of sci-fi. I could be wrong. Well, just, I mean, it's it, a different purpose. Like, think about the light bridges in Halo. That is a solidified object of light mm-hmm. with, based on streams. And if you literally look at it, it's a bunch of streams of light that are going across to create the bridge. In some ways, that's the exact same thing that we shoot with the hard light itself is that we're shooting these very, very densely packed streams of light that are just like laser beams very, very quickly. Um Beyond that, I think it's I mean, it's just another purpose of it. I don't think it's any mm-hmm. different as far as if we're going to go into the pseudoscience of it. I really it's don't think it's much different. Typical Amelon. Yeah. Mm. So it's overcomplicated. And you know, yeah. And so like the the main perk here is the volatile light, which is basically you have no damage fall off and it over penetrates and then it does the the ricochet off hard surfaces, which I, you know, I've always just kind of taken to be a nod to the whole concept of the polymer, which is kind of like a rubber or a plastic and resin type thing. If you throw something like that very, very, very fast, you're going to have it bounce off things. It's kind of how I always pictured it, which is why I call it the pinball gun. Well, light bounces anyway. Yeah. That's a common thing anyway. So it makes sense that it would bounce around. Right. Um, and then I know that there is, there was also a conversation that we had, um, in chat about possible connections to a group called the GNT collaborative. And this is something that Uni points out. Um, GNT collaborative was a group of warlocks and exos that actually we discussed pretty detailed in episode 38. Excuse me. And the reason why this kind of seems like this could possibly be a nod there is because it is it, it basically spe- specifically calls out the design team included several specialist exos and at least one warlock thanatonaut. So it's a pretty I, I think it's a pretty it's a it's an assumption, but I think it's a pretty logical assumption that the GNT had something to do with hard lights creation. Uh, GNT is something that they basically 
repurpose and research a lot of things. Uh, they are the ones that have the, uh, I think it's the Istanu uh, armor, the Kali armor, and the Durga armor, which is the armor that collects information from its users. And then also they are the group that is responsible for taking a general purpose Vanguard rocket launchers and then basically, or Barons, and then they rebuild them to be Harbinger rocket launchers so that that common or i guess that's an uncommon uh rocket launcher called the harbinger that is actually a gnt invention um and then yeah and so like for example the sanction custom is a gnt study group uh piece of armor and it says the nerve telemetry goes to a gnt study group working to understand the neural correlates of triumph uh so you you get you get a lot of that with the gnt gear so if hard light is a pro is a weapon product which we know that the gnt do have a bit of dabbling in that uh because of the harbinger then that would make a lot of sense because again like i said it specifically calls out the design team including exos and warlocks which is which is what the gnt was pretty much formed of so um let's see do we want to jump to the Kvostov? Sure. Uh, I'll go ahead and read okay, it. Okay, cool. Uh, in battle, you can only count on two things, your comrades and your Kvostov. Unattributed Golden Age Russian saying. The Kvostov 7GOX was the brainchild of two eras, the Golden Age and the City Age. Shiro 4 used the design schematics for the Kvostov series and a little Guardian ingenuity to craft a modern take on a legendary classic weapon. A fitting tribute to those old weaponsmiths and the newest Iron Lord. So, yeah, this guy, I mean, the, the Kvostov, it's the gun we get at the very beginning of the game. Hmm? It's recently been redone with something that sounded like it was going to be super amazing as far as perks go. <laughs> I've seen, I've gotten killed by it once in Crucible. It was notable. I made a note of it mentally, like, oh, this did actually kill me. And I don't see anybody else really using it. Yeah, I think, what is, and I don't have one of these yet, but wasn't the one of the big things is, like, you can set, so not only can you set it to different firing rates, you can actually set the different speeds mm-hmm. of rounds per so it minute. Can, it can be an auto rifle or somewhat of a pulse rifle. Right. But. Yeah. You can do burst fire, semi auto or automatic. And then the uh, rate, the rounds per minute is anywhere from 450 to 900, I think are the two settings. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, there's, oh, geez, there's, you could go. Um, almost forever with Kvostov. Uh, mainly a lot of people focus on the Russian connection there, uh, mm-hmm. which is just over the top. There's there's a very strong connection to Rasputin, uh, not just within the perks, but also within the actual history of the actual figure, Alexei Kvostov. Um, and I want to say, I believe... Uni has made us a lore video for that. So if you guys want something a little bit more in depth on the Kvostov, definitely give that a check. Uh, yeah. 
if nothing else, just jump in Discord and say Kavastov, and it, like it's like saying It'll his name. It, yeah, it's like saying his name in the mirror three times. <laughs> Either that or um, Maria Raskova. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that does. <laughs> So, I mean, and so, yeah, just, just to keep, you know, we have, we have quite a few weapons to jump through. So Kvostov, um, other than the very over the top connection to Rasputin, which a number of people have plenty of, you know, Mm -hmm. articles out there about that. Um, I didn't, I don't really have much, I mean, like, yeah, there, there's a lot in the connection to Rasputin, but other than that, I mean, historically i mean is there a connection i don't think there's any connection to like an actual gun called the kvostov is there i mean i don't remember finding one when i went looking through it but no i mean it i mean it it's pretty <coughs> there there is a lot of there's there's a very interesting theory about the significance of the Kvostov rifle uh, just from Vanilla, uh, just because of the way it was presented in the game and then the connection to the stranger. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if you uh, yeah, if you if you look, I, I want to say I'm I'm gonna have to check. I will link. I'll try to link the video. If it, if it's a video on Kavostov, I'll link it in the show notes because it's a very it's a very well put together video, and I and I cannot summarize it in less than the time that it would take just to watch the video. Right. Uni, Uni did a very good job rolling all that information into a short video. You but are correct. Do you want to jump to real quick the casino? Do it. Yes. So this is the Monte Carlo. Uh, this is a interesting gun that I cannot stand. Um, so the flavor text on this one is there will always be paths to tread and methods to try roll with it. Originally designed as a showpiece, the Monte Carlo's slick demeanor and intricate firing system make it more than a fashion statement in the right hands. This beauty puts all the risk risk at the wrong end of its bayonet. And it actually has a bayonet, which I find extremely no, impractical. It's, but it's it's I think it's a little disingenuous to call that a bayonet. Well, okay, it's, here's here's actually one of my biggest pet it's peeves. It's almost with it. the length of the gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a sword. It's it's a gun sword. Um but here's the thing is like my one thing is if you put a blade that big on a gun, when you melee somebody, you really should just poke them in the eye with it. You shouldn't hit them with the butt of the gun. Mm-hmm. That's my one my one mm-hmm. beef with it. I, I I remember getting one and I was like, oh, this is really cutting nah, up. It's just the same melee animation. Wah, wah. Um, like there needs to be some kind of animation where you just stab someone in the chest. Well, and see, and so okay, trigger, I know I know people. I this isn't Doom. Well, so. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like I know people hate me for bringing this. Will probably hate me for bringing this up, but like there is there is a uh, legendary. DMR in Halo 5 that has like a little bayonet and it has its own specific melee animation like if you run up and melee someone you actually stab them with the bayonet like it's like eh, yeah and (laughs) pins and chat it's like (laughs) putting a bayonet on a weapon tends to make accuracy kind of go so pretty much well that's why (laughs) bayonets are for trench warfare they're not for sharpshooting yeah no they are not 
So and this is a close quarters weapon. Sorry, I stepped on you, Green. What was that? No worries. I was like, what's interesting is Monte Carlo is actually not a bad weapon to fire in Destiny. The mechanics of it, it's not a super jumpy auto rifle. It actually fires smoothly. Mm-hmm. That's the irony of the whole thing, is that it has what's... this giant bayonet that should make its accuracy go to the pooper, but it, it doesn't. It fires smoothly. Well, yeah, it's yeah. actually got Excalibur hanging off the barrel, so that kind of <laughs> counter... Counters all that recoil, you know? Dwarves it. <laughs> Magic. Yeah, and so the, the primary perk, I believe, is the Monte Carlo method, which is basically when you deal damage with this weapon, you melee, you reduce your melee cooldown, and then if you mm-hmm. if you kill, you have a chance to fully charge your melee. Um which, the other, if you're a hunter makes you Captain Stabby Pants. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. All the blades, all the blades. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the biggest and most obvious connection here is the James Bond, uh, the film Casino Royale, and there's a lot of mentions of Casino Royale, which is actually a famous casino resort in Monaco. Uh, in the James Bond uh, series, I guess uh, it's it actually makes an appearance in Goldeneye, Never Say Never Again, and Thunderball, and I think one of the recent ones was actually called Casino Royale, was it not? Yep. Yeah, they did a. I believe you then. I believe yeah. Casino Royale is the. Is that the first one with or, Daniel Craig? It's the, yeah, it's the origin story of James Bond. Okay. Too, as far as I, I believe, if I'm going to get crucified in chat later. I yeah. think that that's <laughs> it's a, know, it's that's an fine. easy story. Sean Connery was born. The end. <laughs> yeah. But well. So, and the connection there is also kind of strengthened by the ornaments of this exotic weapon, which are Super Spy and Royal Flush. So, it's it's a pretty pretty clear connection there. There is actually a Monte Carlo logarithm. Uh, it basically is something that repeats random sampling to to obtain numerical results. So, um, yeah, and that there's a there's a just there that that note. Um, I think for Monte Carlo, that's pretty much it. It looks like yeah. a, it looks like a cabal gun. So let's move on to the, the hive gun. Yeah. The hive gun that takes forever to earn. And I still don't have the stupid thing because I can't get the what? thing you're to not, drop. Yeah. You're not, you're not missing much. I'm also what? not trying. I'm also no, it's not pretty trying. good now. Is it's it actually de- trying? No. Yeah. I, so this yeah, used to be this used to be the explode. troll gun. Like this is the oh, one that God. like if people hated you, you're like, no, you have to use Necrochasm in Crucible. Yeah. Necrochasm. Eternity is very close. Can you feel yourself slipping? Uh and we prepare 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 for yourselves, people. Here we go. <laughs> the weapons of sorrow were believed to be nothing more than a myth, but even the darkest myths are born of some truths. And whispers of the necrochasm have long filled the light with dread. It is said the necrochasm was born into the twilight after Crota's sword first cracked the moon. That a lost guardian weapon was altered by the hive in an attempt to fuse their own dark understanding with the humanity's mastery of war. The result was a weapon that could feed on its owner's aggression. Reaching further... <laughs> When angry eyes drew focus, its hunger rising as it tore through bone and flesh. 
Any guardian who comes across the weapon must ask very some very simple questions with endlessly complicated answers. Is your light bright enough to stand, even briefly, in full gaze of the hive's abyss? Can it handle what has died and been reborn in those shadows? Yeah, thanks, Blue. <laughs> made me giggle halfway through. <laughs> You can't handle the tooth. Uh, <laughs> they can't God. handle the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sorry. just so you guys know why I cracked up midway through. Blue typed in our private chat that I sounded like Morla. Yes. I, <laughs> I, <will take> <laughs> I love it. Hey, I will totally take that. She went full on female Vincent Price. Heck yeah. Eris. Who is it? I will go Eris. I will go full Eris. Uh yes. That is that is a a pretty high praise, I will yeah. say. The Necrochasm, uh, the actual um, progression of this gun fits with this quite quite nicely. Mm-hmm. In that, once you attain the the husk of the pit from slaying some rando hive God. knight on the moon, um, you no, then take that no, gun. No, no, it's not on the moon. No. It was on Earth. It was, oh, it was on Earth. I'm sorry. I apologize. It was on Earth. Because I remember because we got we got like a ton of these things and they dropped and it was like oh, and then we deleted them. Yeah, they we were deleted like them. We're like thirty what, damage. What is this? Like this is yeah. a worthless weapon. Right? Isn't it the first like one of the dark below first ones that you meet? Uh, no, husk of the lady. Husk of the pit was in vanilla. Wasn't well, it? it could drop from any any night. It didn't matter where it was. But it was from the... I don't oh God, what's I don't her even name? remember. Screamy, screamy... Are you? Omnigal? Ah! It was Omnigal. Who, that's Omnigal. the first mission that you see Omnigal, that it drops from one of the knights in there. No, no, because I got mine on patrol. No, no, really? you could literally... It could drop mm-hmm. from any any knight. Oh, no, it was at Endark. Okay. Yeah, it was It was killing... It supposedly was killing a blade of Crota. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. okay. That makes more sense. And then it dropped, ones. and you deleted it, and it <laughs> dropped, we, and it deleted it, and like, it dropped, and then and you then, heard that it was somehow and then you heard linked it was to good, and then it would never drop again. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, oh. And then you killed Crota a thousand times, waiting for Crux to drop. It's not his Crux. And you were trying to steal his Crux. It was his Crux. Crux. It was. It was. Yeah, it was. You're trying crux. to steal his shoes. shoes. You're trying the to steal crux, his rage shoes. Have you seen Orcs' feet? They're tiny. <laughs> Yeah, but Crota. Crota's got his mother's feet. He's got the same feet. feet. He's got his father's feet. No, he's got his mother's feet. They're just boots. He has to wear the comfy shoes because, you know, he's just bones. He's not even skin. He's just bones. He's a skeleton. He's a glowing skeleton. Um, So... So, basically, to fit with, with this kind of description of, you know, um, feeding on the darkness and everything, uh, after you did get the the husk of the pit, you had to kill some obscene number of hive. Oh, um, it was the thrall, and, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, you pretty much you had to kill thrall. So then you would basically you would, do the you've woken the hive mission like or, or the times uh, or the um uh bah, 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 the shard of the traveler glitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would work too. Oh my god! And then after that. After that, what was the next step? The Edelon. Well, I know the next step was Eidolon getting ally. the husk. Yeah, you got the Adelon ally, which was only 
a slightly different crappy gun than the house of the pit. And then you were like, at this point of the game, you were just mad and, and really salty. And, and you were really contemplating breaking this disc into a thousand pieces and, uh, you know, spreading them around your neighborhood. But then you said, no, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to do the, the, you know, Crota's in raid. And eventually after killing Crota, after after um, Rise of Iron came out, you got a crux. Yeah, after I, uh-huh. no, no, my crux actually actually came I, during yeah. Crota's end. Yeah, believe me, too. I actually um, I got my one of my out. drops actually happened on time, and it was this piece of stuff. Um, <laughs> That's why it happened and, on time. Uh, exactly. So a crux would fall, and then you would be able to upgrade the Adalon Ally to Necrochasm, which was just a slightly more petrified flamier version of the previous gun <laughs> in which there was a uh curse bringer no not curse bringer that's the that's the perk on something else there was a perk where basically you would get a cursed thrall explosion um on a kill so <laughs> um it um, was uh it wasn't cat yeah it was curse bringer it was curse bringer yeah. i'm right cascade I'm right. cascade was the other perk on it yeah, that's a reloading perk. No one cares about it, that. Does it still do arc damage? I know it used to. It should. It mm. needs every freaking... <laughs> yeah, it needs all the help it can get. It needs all it can get. So the other... So... No, real quick. Oh, no, go ahead. Really quick. The other interesting thing about the whole Necrochasm evolution is, first off, it's like one of the very few guns that... I think, actually, it's the only gun that you get this evolution in. This is- uh it's a very unique exotic right. progression right um, and it, it was really cool i wish i wish they had done more weapons like this because it was a really interesting kind of concept also really disturbing if you read the flavor text of the husk of the pit the edelon ally and the necrochasm back to back um pins pointed this out a little a little bit earlier in chat but they actually flow together really well um and it start like when you get into Edelon Ally, it starts to kind of get very clear that there is actually some some sentience in this gun, uh, and it's not necessarily an AI. So like Husk of the Pit flavor text is desiccated and not nigh inoperable. This hive artifact still manages to send shivers up your spine when fired, which was just because it was so disgustingly weak. Um, Edelon Ally says we thought it was inanimate, but it has grown changed ghost refuses to analyze it further but i secretly believe it has become my friend so yes okay and then um, the necrogasm itself is pretty much the so, weapon kind of talking to you so blue mm-hmm. did you kind of catch that an eidolon is actually a greek ghost yes uh we talked about that with the the weapons of sorrow episode we spent quite mm-hmm. a bit of time on necrochasm because again, it was just, it's a really, a really interesting concept. And also the, the conclusions to the growth, pro- the growth process uh, has a lot of ramifications for that particular weapon as well. I gotcha. As far and as it's a- also, it's infused with hivey hiveness. Yes, well, yeah. Going, tagging on after that. I mean, the as far as imagery goes, it has a very unique 
inspiring image, just kind of like the hard light has its own very unique one. Mm -hmm. This one, if you pay attention to the bolts, it's not just green bolts of light. Afterwards, you see this trail of darkness. So you're like shooting a comet of green and blackness at everybody. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. I like so, it. It's and then, yeah, actually, the name can be broken up into two parts. Necro meaning dead. Chasm meaning, obviously, you know, hole, ravine. Yeah, abyss, however you want to. Or the distance between two people in, in an ideological sense. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is the gun that defined the uh, Dark Below. Too bad. It just... I. How do you spend this much time on on a weapon progression and it being so underwhelming? The other well, the other thing that I just was looking I'm looking at the necrochasm itself. Should have given it wolf pack rounds. Should have given it wolf. Pack. Um, if you look at the actual image of necrochasm, it, so the big the big thing with a lot of hive weapons is they don't have firing mechanisms at all. Mm -mm. They they just don't. This actually has a trigger guard, but it doesn't look like there's a trigger. If you're looking at the the stock yeah. weapon, but you can also see that this was originally probably a, a more human weapon because this looks nothing like any of the other hive weapons. It it I mean it has like that ossified, um, what Justin refers to as hivey hiveness and the green kind of glow, but it really does look like more like a standard scout rifle or auto rifle stock. Whereas most of the hive weapons are very, very unique and more coral-like. So it, it was that, that was another interesting thing that we really did talk about a little bit. Because it, it's um, kind of like the thorn, which we will be talking about as well in a little bit. Yeah. Most of the hive stuff looks like white dog poop. <sighs> this one looks more like their ships. Like the mm -hmm. same yeah. as the ships. Just pokey, bony type things more oh. like organic organ organic leavings than something that was made well let's let's switch tactics and look at something that looks a little bit prettier oh this uh the suros regime love it so much the thing that's modeled after a race car oh my god it just screams f1 right mm -hmm. um Nostalgia is a weapon of war. Style as a hallmark of victory. Suros engineers designed the regime using recovered Golden Age schematics. Forced out of production by a crippling a shortage of smart matter, the few remaining models were cherished by those guardians fortunate enough to wield them. The Suros, the almighty Suros. It was almighty for too brief a time. Is it mighty again? I mean, it I may be. I haven't used it. I want to use the blackout Suros with the spinning up with the faster mm -hmm. fire. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I it, it does have. Out. It does have. I, mean, I, we, I might be a little biased here, but it doesn't. It have one of the best perks ever. What's that? Focused fire. But yeah. Although I am kind of partially partial <laughs> to focused firefly now. Um. <laughs> I do like that perk, but yes, Fergus Fire, Fergus Fire, Fergus Fire, Fergus Fire. But um, it it also had it also had another capability on top of Focus Fire, which was the fact that it could actually heal you a tiny bit randomly 
not reliably at all enough to be used as a tactic. But we all, I know I kind of forget that fact. Um, you know, it's, uh, you, you kind of forget it because it didn't proc like red death. Red death is money in the bank. You know, you're healing when you get a kill constantly healing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the Soros legacy. Uh, that's the perk. And it's also, is that, is that also like glass half full? Is that the other perk that does? Cause it sounds like glass. Okay. So glass half full and focused fire actually kind of work together with this gun. So basically the focused fire, when you aim down sights, it's fire slower and does, um, not double damage, but 150% damage. I think I could be wrong on that, but, um, then the glass half full perk, the um, rounds in the bottom half of the magazine actually do double damage. So it's kind of a stacking effect towards the end of the magazine. If you can, if you can kind of fight the urge to spam reload every time you shoot, mm-hmm. you can be doing some pretty significant damage towards the end of the magazine. Yes, and uh, just just for the record, the glass half full is actually con- is con- included, I guess you would say, in the Suros Legacy perk. So the yeah, Suros Legacy, all yeah, it's bundled together with the returning of health. Um, and yeah. yes, which is not at all reliable enough for that to be a reason to use this gun. It's pretty though. It is pretty. It's probably the no. It's not the best looking gun in the game, but it's one of them. No, I think you have that reserved for another gun. Yes, you are correct. So, but yes, I, I I read this card and I really think that the schematics that they recovered were an F1 Formula race car, not a gun. But they made it. They did a good job repurposing okay. those race cars into weapons. It's like, didn't they really? They, I mean, they talked about it in stream that that literally was. The yeah, gun. it was that in a coffee machine, which is why I love their artist. Yeah. Brawn. All right. And then the last auto rifle, and according to a couple of people who use this, definitely not the least, uh, is the Zalo Supercell. And so this Grimoire card says, an upcycled torrent of righteous thunder. When you're out beyond the wall, sometimes you have to take what you can find and make it work. Though its original makers and their no doubt desperate straits are lost to history, the Zalo Supercell remains a striking example of what a Guardian can do with some outdated tech, a deep command of fundamental light, and a spark of inspiration. So this is a a, re, a salvaged and remade from Golden Age weaponry, um, just like with the heart or the uh, Fabian strategy. We do have a link to the Cryptarch. A little extra trivia there as well. Um, Now, the name actually has a pretty cool etymology. Uh, Zalo is actually a Soviet tank destroyer, and it was meant to carry infantry that was equipped with a larger gun, but the the large gun was never really used in action. Um, So so it's a tank destroyer. And then the supercell is a massive rotating like thunderstorm hybrid that also usually carries hail lightning and guess what can spawn tornadoes just randomly. They're really fun and you don't want to ever see one. Um, Super common in Kansas. We call them twisters. No, supercell is it makes twisters. Supercell is terrifying to see from a distance. 
like you Twister just, factory is what we call it. You just see a giant wall of dark clouds. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have some problems with this gun, but I'll leave those alone. I like this gun. This um, is actually one. This is the. Don't understand how it works. Don't need to. All you need to know is use it during nightfall. Mm-hmm. When the arc perk or the arc burn is on. This gun wreck shop. I've done a two man nightfall, which I suck at nightfall. Just going to lay that out there. I suck. Thank you, Possum. I know you don't listen to the show, but I'm thanking you on the show. Thank you, Possum. <laughs> Thank for you, Possum, me. for not listening to the show. For carrying me. I know. I, I tried. I tried <laughs> calling him out. But uh, he's helped me get through this nightfall. The, uh, what is it? The, the one with the Vex. I, the hive mind one, the one that the black card. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, uh, Nexus Undying Mind. Yeah, that one. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> Undying Mind. We both said at the same time. Undying Mind. Okay, I was right. Apparently, I listened to I listened for Justin more than. <laughs> oh. Unless proven with information with that people. we don't have access to currently, Justin by accident is right. I love it. <laughs> Righteous thunder. Um, so, so yeah, let, let's just let me leave Zalo alone. Okay. So. Well, real quick, the perks, <laughs> the perks on this one uh, are the Zalo supercell. So arc projectiles have the chance of chain lightning when enemies are close together. Justin, don't mm-hmm. say anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Bolts from the blue, which is double kills with this weapon, charge a small amount of super energy and return ammo to the magazine. And then persistence, uh, which means that the weapon grows more accurate the longer it is fired. Mm-hmm. It's completely plausible. <laughs> <laughs> so before before Justin has a mental breakdown fully, let's let's jump to the, to. I'll, you know what? I think Justin kind of will be okay because what's the next topic, Justin? Oh, distract him. The elusive, the one, the only, the fusion rifle class. I know what you're thinking, Justin. Justin, are there primary fusion rifles? <coughs> there aren't many. There are many, but to answer your question, yes, there is one, and there only could be one. Fusion rifles. Advancements in directed energy disbursement gained through the discovery of Golden Age research led to the creation of stable, field-ready, energy-based weaponry. The first implementation of this technology comes in the form of the fusion rifle. Users must hold the trigger down for a few moments to charge the weapon before timing, before firing. Um, that is a fusion rifle. You may be asking, why am I reading this? We're doing primary weapons. Well... I've got news for you. There is a primary fusion rifle. And its name is Mythoclast. And it's the best weapon in the game. Just going to go ahead and throw that out there. (laughs) Who is waiting for it? It's the best one. We can actually stop the podcast. Shut it down. No need to continue. The Mythoclast. It's the sexiest. It's the vexiest. It's got freaking Vex optics in the eye. Yeah. (laughs) A causal loop within the weapon's mechanism, suggesting that the firing process somehow binds space and time into dot, dot, dot. 
Some legends live forever. Others are overwritten, reshaped by the sheer will of those who believe that any ordeal can be conquered, any foe vanquished, any god cast down. The mythoclast is a vex instrument from some far-flung corner of time and space, mysteriously fit for human hands. Its origins, mechanism of action, and ultimate purpose remain unknown. Perhaps it will reveal itself to you in time. And if you're like me, dot, dot, dot. If you're like me, you view the the mythoclast. Did you watch Transformers Blue? Yeah. I just view like there's a tiny Transformer that turns into the (laughs) mythoclast and and a larger Transformer who's a Lamborghini who turns into a Minotaur and the Minotaur holds the mythoclast and he just mows people down. (laughs) It's like Soundwave and Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) I... I, Look at it. I it literally. Do you have no words? I, I <laughs> broken. So this is an exotic weapon right here that will never be accused of not feeling like an exotic weapon. That's true. Everything about this weapon feels otherworldly and special. Like I feel special when I hold it. Um, it is weird that it is fit for human hands. It's almost like someone designed it for us. We'll talk about that probably ad nauseum, but um, it's amazing. The signature perk, and I'm going completely off memory here, is actually called Timeless Mythoclast. And it has to do with the fact that it is a fusion rifle. And our human, you know, Stone Age fusion rifle technology dictates that there is charging time. Now we can have accelerated coils and make that charging time less. But there's always going to be charging time with when dealing with a fusion rifle. The Mythoclast fires instantaneously using um, closed-type space-time loops. Um, so this, this kind of language kind of leads us to believe that part of its firing mechanism actually is intrinsic to time travel. Literally everything I want in a gun is there. Made out of a robot, check. Time travel, check. Sleek, vexy lines, check. <laughs> I don't even care what your favorite gun is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Go ahead. Man. Go Speak. for a green. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I never had one of those. Just going to <gasps> that right now. Sorry. No, don't apologize to me. Apologize to you. Apologize to me. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. So. Sorry, self. Sorry, self. Sorry, self. You know, I I don't think I'm sorry because I actually did not. I was one of those people who did not have a raid group. So I, the raid based guns like Necrochasm and Vex Mythoclast, I never got. Fate bringer. Yeah. I've been trying to get a group together to do Vogue for so long. It's going to happen now. You're going to be with me. Yep. Sounds good. I will That'll always I will always drop everything into a VOG run. Okay. I'll hold you to that. Mm-hmm. We'll I have a VOG night. Let's do that for one of the game nights. So real real quick, uh, just to look at etymology as normal. 
Um, Vex Mythoclass. So a Mythoclass is kind of a combination of terms. Mythos is basically mythology, the worldview in mythology. And class is actually mean to break. So this this word, mythoclass, is actually something that means the rejection of any authority or structured cultural belief. So it's something that breaks down those things. Um, and then, you know, vex, which is obviously the name of one of the NPC classes, is also a word that means to basically annoy um, or to bring trouble or distress to. So a Vex mythoclass is a distressing disprover or a distressing rejection of authority or structured cultural belief. Or in or I think Pins is also putting this in the chat, it, it disproves those who disproves myths. Um there is a I'm trying to think here. Do do you want me to talk about my favorite theory? So it's the best gun for Justin because it's a like it vexes you it vexes, it vexes you yeah you. no yes you you can say it he says it every it single time it vexes he kills you something crazy it. yeah <laughs> i vexed my you. favorite theory yeah my favorite theory is that kabir made this gun for us but how I mean, would kabir i think that's oh, the I well to do this. if I mean, you're gonna... if you, if you it, no the theory's not mine so i'm not going to get into it ad nauseum it's actually a myelin theory um from one of his early, early videos. So check out Myland Games on YouTube. Um, and it's it's his Kabir one. We'll link it. Yeah, I'll get Blue link it. I'll, I'll link it. It's a, it's a, I, I remember that one. It, I like that idea. Um, so real quick to run back to the perks on this weapon. Justin, you spoke about Timeless Mythoclass, which is basically it has no charge time. It pull it, it fires a single bolt, which is the trade-off. It's a fusion rifle, but it does not fire, what, four or five, I think. It only fires a single one. Um, the other signature perks, the other primary perks on the weapon are crowd control, which means that kills with this weapon grant bonus damage for a short time, and then zen moment. Uh, so this is another one that if you cause damage with the weapon, it actually increases the uh, stability of the weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, since it is a fusion rifle, it has an elemental damage, which is solar damage. Yeah, it's amazing. Like in PVE, you can use it like a scout rifle. Mm-hmm. You can just tap the trigger. I and used go, to <laughs> use this thing as a scout <laughs> rifle. And then in PVE and PVP, just lay on it and watch them burn. Is what I do. <laughs> Such a good gun. This was my preferred Prison of Elders gun, by the way, because that was when I was like, oh, I can bring this up. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Sorry, Thrall. <laughs> and as much as it hurts me, I think we're going to move to hand cannons. Yay! I like hand cannons. It's, it's, it's what I use. <coughs> Excuse favorite. me. So, yes, hand cannons. I apologize. Um, basic summary for this one. This is an amazing class of uh, weapons is hand cannons. Sturdy and reliable, hand cannons have long been a preferred tool for self-defense. Their low rate of fire and modest accuracy is more than made up for by their ease of handling and superior stopping power. So, it might fire slowly, 
and it might not be as accurate as those scout rifles, but this thing hits like a truck. Yes. Yes, and it does. The first one is Ace of Spades. Probably the prettiest. Ace of Spades. I think this is one of the prettier hand cannons. I can't use it to save my life because it fires so stinking slow. It's not the no, it can't be one of the prettier hand cannons. But I think it's pretty. I like the You just like it because it's Cades. I well no, I like it because I like cards. I like card games. I grew up playing cards. I like okay. having this. I like it because it's a good it. song. The yeah, Ace of Spades! That too. That too. That's really not a good song. Let me shut, you shut your face. <laughs> Justin. Justin, help her help her out with this one. I, I think yeah, you should read Cade. You should totally read okay. Cade. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey there, Banshee. What do you want, Cade? Just checking in on that thing I asked you to do. I told you my smuggling days are over. No, no, no. Shh. Not that. The other thing. What other thing? The custom piece for... Oh, right, right. Of course I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah. How's it looking? Did all the design myself, so it's looking good. Is that a... Is that an ace of spades? Yep. So, I think... Nailed it. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think that uh, Kate is actually scared when he sees the ace of spades on this kind of thing. Okay. So he's a superstitious gambler. Yeah, at this point. I would I would say so. I mean, mm-hmm. think about famous gamblers, and of course, I'm going to draw from Maverick. Kenny Loggins. No. Okay, Kenny Loggins. What? Yeah. Doyle Brunson. You know the famous ones. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Okay. okay. So, anyways, Ace of Spades. <laughs> God. Um. <laughs> Green, do you want to continue or do you want me to just take over for while you recover from Justin's (laughs) vexing nature? Did you not watch? Did you not watch Maverick? I did. That's the one I get. That's the reference I got out of that. But like James Loggins. Okay. Okay. Let's just move on. So the the Ace of Spades, Ace of Spades is the top rank card in a deck of cards. It is also kind of superstitiously linked to a lot of things. It's considered uh, a mark of luck, which means, yeah, the playing card denotes the highest win among players in a game. So great. it's You see it, it's, you're lucky about it, as in Maverick. Or it's also used to sh- show the mark of death. It's not bucket skill. No. No, and the crazy thing that you see as far as history goes with this card, which I, when I read this, and I actually looked up some more stuff on this later, after seeing this in our our mind map, thanks to Rhino on all the work he's done for pulling all this information together, it was used in the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and the soldiers would lay out just they got bicycle to agree to make decks of cards that are exclusively the ace of spades the yep. reason why is it's considered super unlucky and just kind of bad juju for them so they would lay out these cards all over the battlefields and all over areas they just didn't want the vietnam soldiers to go into 
and they would just scare the living bejesus out of them with that. Yeah, I, it, yeah. it's it's no it's known as the death card. It's super scary. <clears throat> and that's exactly it's, what they would do. They would they would not only do that, they would paint it on their gun trucks. They would I mean like they would just deck stuff out with ace of spades. And it just it was it was it was one of the bigger forms of psychological warfare but that was that was kind of used. Um and yeah, you're right. The death cards were actually decks and not only were they decks of solid ace of spades but um, I believe, if I remember, they actually made decks for each individual divisions. So, like, you, mm-hmm. you could get, like, your own divisions, specific death cards, and then they would have Ace of Spades on them, and then, like, the division logo on the back, or the, the whatever the, right, whatever the insignia simple. is. Um, so, fun fact to go on top of that, in if you go into, like, the... So the superstitious type realm, if you do a tarot card deck, so tarot cards are normally the ones with all the different faces. You have the actual death card itself. You can, some people believe that you can use a traditional 52 card deck that we use for playing cards and use that to read tarot. The death card is considered the ace of spades within that deck. Hmm. So it's still used as a death card within certain circles. Right. And that, that kind of stems back, to a a concept of the black spot, which you see in literature, and Rhino mo- noted this. Uh, the most the most common one is Treasure Island with the black spot. Um, and what happens with the black spot is usually an individual is marked with the black spot, and then it's a verdict of guilt or judgment. Uh, and basically, what it is is, hey, you're gonna die. Like that's pretty much it's a mark of death. Um, and so that's kind of that led into also the view of the entire concept of spades in general, that that imagery of a spade is very similar to a black spot. So that's where that that concept kind of connected as well. And also, what do you bury someone with? Yeah, I mean, well, and that's and that's kind of yeah, it's a spade, a spade, <clears throat> the so, ace of spades. <laughs> So, um, real quick perks for the Ace of Spades, which is an amazing hand cannon because it has the collection of my favorite perks is third eye, which basically means your radar stays active when you're ADSing, uh, Maverick, which precision kills move one round from your ammo reserve into the magazine. And then the best perk ever firefly, which makes everything go boom. If it fired a little faster, I could use it. Just a tiny bit faster. That's all I need. If every time I killed someone, Lemmy would scream, "The Ace of Spades." He I does. He does. You just have to. You just have to use your imagination. You have to just get a listen with your heart. Is what you're telling me. Yeah. Use your believe it in your heart. Okay. So are are you guys? Are y'all done talking about the Ace of Spades? Oh you God. ready to Here talk about goes. a hand cannon? Here, he Here goes. we go. Actually, I do like okay. this hand cannon. I, I, uh, you I, shouldn't I, just like this hand cannon. <laughs> you should love this hand cannon. Everyone, the one, the only, <laughs> the Hawk Moon. <laughs> Stalk thy prey and let loose thy talents upon the dark moon. The darkness! 
Did you just pull a sound clip? The Hawkmoon <laughs> is a true gunslinger's weapon. <laughs> a smooth sidearm that makes every bullet count, some more than others. And just because, Hawkmoon. Or as I like to call it, bang, bang, dead. <laughs> oh, my God. So. <laughs> That scared the bejesus out of me before. Like, what the heck? My audio is messed up. Oh, sorry, muting. Go ahead. Um, the uh. perks perks for this one is the primary one, I believe, is holding aces, which two more random bullets in your magazine deal considerable bonus damage. And then luck in the chamber, which everyone kind of knows that one, which is one random bullet in the magazine causes considerable bonus damage. Um, and that's pretty much the two major perks that does kinetic damage. And then it has a really, actually, I like the, the ornaments on this one for moon glow. At least I'm not a big fan. Moon glow is, yeah, I'm not a fan of much of carrion, but moon glow looks really pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moon glow is, is legit on your hawk moon. (laughs) Don't say hawk moon anymore. Because that sound accompanies it. <laughs> All right. So the etymology of the gun that shall not be named is it is a predatory bird. Um, and we a prey. <laughs> yes. A bird of prey, <laughs> which is assumed when you say predatory bird. But it is also I know there was a big conversation about it being a possible evolution of the hand cannon hand cannon. Aos Luna, um, Luna, which is because an Aos is a young hawk that was is usually still in a nest, so it's like a hatchling. Um, and so it, you know, again, I'm not going to repeat the name because I don't want to lose my hearing. But um, blank is also a young hawk, or not a young hawk, but yes. God, that is, that was blue. that was more difficult than you thought. Like I was like, I'm like, don't say the word. What? Don't say what? I don't know. Anyways, moving on to the first curse. Oh nice. my gosh! So the first curse <laughs> is possibly a twin to the last word, and the grimoire card reads: First curse is when death becomes an afterthought. People always forget about the other one. The first one. They remember its twin, the last word. Because that's an easier story to tell. But it's not the whole story. Truth is, there were two of them, back in the lawless days before the city was anything more than a rumor. There are thousands of tales of the fate of the first curse. Which one will you tell? I don't really understand the the, the allure of this gun, but... Um, it's got green hiviness in it. It's a heavy hitter. Mm. It's a heavy hitter. It's got green hiviness in it. Uh, the perks, it's got dead eye, which gives a bonus to range stability and movement speed when ADS. It's also got triple tap, which basically if you rapidly land precision hits, you actually get a round return to your magazine 
and the first curse, which is the the named perk. And this one does the first precision kill of the magazine refills it, granting bonuses to range and stability until the player reloads. So that is, I mean, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not a last word user. So meh. Like I, I don't even know. I use last word um, as far as Thanks, first Justin. Thanks. <laughs> no, this I, is the antithesis of the last word. So this is the first curse that precedes the last word. Right. Um, as far as, I mean, are we going to get into the lore for these guys for first curse and last word or? Yeah, I don't it, think a little bit. I mean, we talked. We've we talked had a whole of, podcast for this, but yeah, yeah. We do. I, yeah. We can a little bit though. It's definitely because... a text mechanica weapon. Mm-hmm. Do you it's want definitely to... the same the same frame as the last word? Yeah, it's just clearly got a different firing mechanism. And I don't say that from something you can see visually. I say that from what I know about how it handles. Right, and I mean, I going into it. If you guys want to look that up, it's in episode thirty-eight when. The guys went into this in great, great detail, and all the different fun lore stuff with the oh that that epic fight and the whether or not last curse is the predecessor and whatnot, or the first curse, not last curse, all the things. But yeah, this that gun. I mean, so much speculation. Stuff. Yeah, there there is there's quite a bit of speculation. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so you you want to talk about the the links between the first curse and the last word? Um, do you want to jump to the last word real quick, and then we yeah. can kind of talk about both of them together? I think that's a good idea. So this is my favorite gun, and I know I'm kind of a sellout for liking it because of it being so good. And Not all of us are like Justin. We we can yeah. accept you. Yeah. Yay. He's not here to defend himself. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so the last word, the grimoire for it, is yours, not mine. <coughs> Renegade Hunter Shin Malfur to Dredgen Yor during the showdown at Dwindler's Ridge. Last word is a romantic weapon. A throwback to simpler times when steady aim and large rounds were enough to dispense justice in the wilds of a lawless frontier. Of course, some might say that time has come again. I love, I love this gun. I think it's pretty. I love the design of it. I love the fact that it, it's a text mechanica too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. As far as, and as far as text mechanica goes, if you look at the designs on the side of it, here's a fun little nod to the art, the art crew at Bungie, the filigree on the sides of it. If you look at traditional six shooters, most of the filigree is going to be floral base. The Tex Mechanica filigree is not. It is actually like northern Mexican art based. So it's a lot more straight lines. You can almost say it's Native American, but it's not quite. It's got more of that northern Mexican feel. So it's a nice nod to the Texas side of things instead of the filigree. I don't know like, why I've been on a filigree kick lately. Well, like the filigree on like the chaperone or something like that, which is right. more more uh, the traditional. European, I guess you would call it. 
like generic Western, not like Western, like cowboys Western, but like the Western civilization filigree, which is very uh, flowing and plant like. Right. It's this more is more cubic. Fine. Yeah, this is definitely much more geometric in mm-hmm. shape rather than the flowing lines. As far as the story goes, I mean, we, we get into Shin Melfer and Dredgen Yor for sh- and all that jazz that comes with that. I sure hope, A, that Bungie expands on that in the next <clears throat> the next uh, release. Come on, Destiny 2, let's do this thing. <laughs> but uh, as far as the story, the last word was the gun that uh, Shin had. Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. And then Dredgen. In the end, yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it originally was Jaren's. And then uh, Jaren Shin got it. Jaren's ghost give gave it to Shin mm-hmm. after, uh-huh. yeah, after <clears throat> after Yor told the ghost to do it, basically. Right, and then the first curse relating back to it. I'm trying to remember the exact way it relates back to it because I know um, it. So if you if you pull up the image of the Grimoire card for the first curse, and you pull up the image of the last word, and you actually hold those cards together. It's the same god. It's 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 very very similar. The last word is going to be a lot shinier. There's a lot more gold on it. Right. Um, but especially pay attention to the chamber, uh, the chambers, because you'll notice mm-hmm. that arrow and then the little green color. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the same. Uh, the mm-hmm. stock, the hand stock, is exactly the same. Again, the last word is going to have a brighter sheen to it. It also the rivet in it is going to have a golden hue, whereas the first curse is more of a a uh, steel metallic. It's <clears throat> I I've got a theory about this, but I'm not sure if this is the right place for it. Yeah, yeah hold on, hold on, real quick. Um, the the other really telling thing is the trigger guard is exactly the same. Uh, right. like exactly, uh, the, the hammer is actually pretty close. Again, last word is going to have the more golden esque thing. It's definitely a newer gun. It's a newer looking gun than the first curse. But, uh, yeah, there, there, there is, I mean, there, I, I think it would be more of a stretch to argue that they are not related than it would be to argue that they are related mm-hmm. well here's my question though you. as far as the lore relation is it is the first curse what happens after the last word well or is the it specifically curse? says it's it's what's before okay so it happened before <laughs> yeah but who who wields the first curse that is the okay oh man that that's a rabbit hole in and mm-hmm. of itself mm-hmm here, which way are you going with this, Justin? So, can I, can I do perks real quick before you start? <laughs> yeah, go, go yeah, for it, go for it, go for it, go for it. No, I think you should do perks real quick. Oh, okay, because it'll help my case. Okay, perks for the last word is obviously last word, which is improved stability and target acquisition when you fire from the hip. So it is a hip firing gun. Fan fire, which is basically you can fire the weapon quickly and continuously, which you hold down the trigger and black it all fires it's the mccree yeah and then hip fire so you get last word and then hip fire combined it's in hip fire gives you the bonus accuracy when firing from the hip last word gives you increased stability and target acquisition this gun is designed to be a speed drawn weapon 
It is a gunfighter's gun. It's so good. So, Justin, go. Stupid McCree. Um, <laughs> you broke him with that. No. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Okay. I've actually got a new theory, and this is not all that new. I've been working on it for a little bit, and by working, I mean thinking about it randomly. But um, – and it – it would make the first curse, the last word and thorn sit a lot better together in the lore. Um, if, and, and this involves timelines blue. So just take an Advil. Um, if Jaron Ward, let's just start with the base Jaron Ward. If Jaron Ward is some sort of chosen one, a Neo like character, if you're going to quote like, reference the matrix he's this eventuality of a being of almost unimpeachable pureness of light right um if if you're gonna kind of cite him as that it seems like it would be pretty important to snuff him out and given we have the the multitude of timelines available to us in the destiny universe thanks to the vex Mm-hmm. Um, I had this crazy idea that Jaron Ward, Dregden Yor, and Shim Malfour were all were all the same person, and pretty much every time a new timeline was created, a different fork version of Jaron was created, and Dregden is essentially the negative or the evil eventuality of of his potential and Jaron is the positive or the light eventuality of his potential. And all of, all of this battling between the two of them is actually to save Shin who is, you know, they're, they're like battling for the fate of his soul, which is pretty much going to decide the fate of the whole, you know, fight against the darkness. I know it's a reach. But it would make so much sense if the first curse was just another last word from a different timeline with a modified firing mechanism for for a different eventuality of Jaron Ward. Blue's going to poop all over this, I know. Just, just No, this is why I hate timelines and multiverses. Just give me a sec. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, here's the thing. No. no, here's the thing is like in in a true multiverse, that entire theory is plausible. Totally plausible. Right. It, but, Wasn't expecting that. Go but on. no, but I mean, that's 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 my frustration with when whenever like in but literature. Isn't or, that a, isn't that an intriguing story from element? a literary like, from a literary standpoint? Um, it would be that, interesting. Like I can see I can see that being kind of like the hero's journey type esque. But would right. it not make sense? Would it not make sense if if they'd been monkeying with timelines? Um. But, would it not make sense why Dregden's past name had been redacted? Because it <clears throat> oh, could well, just I mean, be that's the, like that's up there the, with the Rezel theory. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, it could just be um, if you don't believe in the butterfly effect, you know, you know, subscription to time travel. Oh, um, don't even. Get it could just be that. that that the past version of Dregden's been killed. It yeah, just depends but, on which yeah. which school of time travel you're from. Right. But I'm right. just saying, I'm just saying if he ceases to, if he ceases to exist, 
an unexplained redaction of his name would probably be the most the most reasonable, you know, resolution of that conflict. Why why are they in the, in the same timeline then? <laughs> ah, but because they're jumping they're jumping timelines trying but- to find Shin. They're trying to find the pure the pure eventuality of Jaren, which in this case is Shin. Um, so were they originally part of the group that did the forking and the splitting? No, I don't. I, I don't think no. I don't think so. In my theory, I have it having something to do with Praetith. I know it's weak and it's no, it's, thin it's, and it's, it's, it's more tenuous the- than, than a, you know, it's not the worst theory I've read in the last couple of days or heard in the last couple of days. It just needs some work. It needs it, massaging. Just give it, me some time. It needs more concrete elements. I mean, there's stuff there. That I'm sorry. Could, that's not the world we deal with. Not, not Justin's world. I mean, this is not, these are not the building blocks of my house. Okay. The mortar yeah. of my house is not concrete evidence. It's, it's effluvians. Flotsam and jetsam. It's floofy. It's floofy. It is fl- a little bit floofy. But I won't take up any more of your if your <laughs> your time with this nonsense. We can if if anyone wants to scream at me about this, you can find me at um at M T N F R A G G L E. On Twitter. Um <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> well, since you're since you're in so much love for Thorn, why don't, yes. why don't we why don't we jump into Thorn real quick? Thorn to rend one enemies is to see them not as equals but as objects, hollow of spirit and meaning. The thirteenth understanding of the seventh book of sorrow, augmented through dark practices, Thorn was once a hero's weapon. Its jagged frame hints as a sinister truth. A powerful connection to the unutterable sorceries of the hive. The legend of Thorn is bound to the rise and fall of Dreddin Yor, a guardian whose name is remembered with disgust and shame. The weapon was thought destroyed, but rumors of its existence still haunt the wilds. So if you're going to get into all of the shape of the weapons, this mm-hmm. gun is actually super similar to the first, the previous two. Yeah, that's what like we're which, arguing in chat right now on stream. Like what? What? What guns does it look similar first, to? It looks first curse and last word, especially I, the first curse. Good. But pins pins mm-hmm. is making pins is making the argument that it's more similar to Hawkmoon. And God, he had it. it ready. I swear to swear I'm to all that is holy that I need to remember this. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> scared the living. Anyways, I hate you a little bit for this. Um, His argument is based off of the barrel um, with the last the last word and first curse. They are bottom mounted. Uh, Thorn is more similar to the other one that I'm not going to say. I hate you so much. God. Oh, good. Oh. Did he, he wasn't ready. For he it, wasn't so. ready. He was still laughing. He wasn't ready. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, 
he he's saying that Thorn is looking is more like a is more along the lines of that archetype. My response to it is if you look at like the trigger guard um, and the trigger, the hammer and I and the uh, the handle is not really, but like the entire central mass of the gun of Thorn is very, 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 very similar to that of the last word and the first curse. Uh, it's got a flatter trigger guard. Um, the hammer is much more uh, smaller, subtle, and it, it and like yeah, I can see the the idea of not being a bottom loading barrel, but I don't know. It just I've always associated that with the um, the first curse. As soon as the first curse came out, I was like, oh, that's. I mean, even before the last word, like I know we had the last word before the first curse. But, you know, I didn't make the connection for me personally uh, until the first curse came out. And uh, I believe it was Captain Kex made a uh, a diagram that actually overlaid the... I can't remember if he used the last word of the first curse, but he took one of those and laid it over Thorn. <clears throat> and it, I mean, it lines up pretty close. Pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, perks for Thorn. Everyone's favorite 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 mark of the devour is you have rounds that pierce target and cause lingering damage over time which has basically been nerfed into the ground and beyond uh final round so this is the perk that gives the last round in a magazine dealing bonus damage and then the two ornaments are rose of acid and rose of corruption uh a really kind of cool trivia thing about thorn in general is if you i'm trying to remember where we found this out i think it was crota's end actually if you fire thorn like if you shoot thorn and then go look at the bullets uh the best way to do this is wait until one of your teammates yeah wait until one of your teammates has died and shoot their ghost because then the the rounds will hover they are actually giant thorns like pretty much like they are of the size that should not well, be able nice. to thorns. fit into they're like the. They're like lawn um, darts. Yeah, they're they're fluffy spikes. Yeah, they're, it's ridiculous. Like I was looking at them and I'm like, I don't think that's even possible to come out of this gun. Um. So yeah, yeah. it's it's Where's a really that cool magazine. At? Yeah, it it's it's in the netherverse. It just summons them. Um, it's like Roger Rabbit with the bullets <laughs> that follow the guy. <laughs> Yes. The, the, the logistics are a nightmare. <laughs> the cartoon bullets. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to make a note. The entire flavor text of Thorn is actually really, really interesting. First off, it points out that we do not have the full collection of the Books of Sorrow, which, you know, a lot of people have kind of pointed that out. Also, it also trivia, no, go for it. this is the very first mention of the Books of Sorrow that we got in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, so there, there is, there is another connection in a more psychological term, uh, and this is usually termed antisocial personality disorder. Uh, it's also commonly called sociopath, sociopathology, or oh man, I just completely butchered that. A sociopath or a psychopath, which are vastly different, um, but generally it's associated with the sociopath tendencies is the is actually kind of defined as the inability to emotionally connect or have empathy for other living creatures 
And so what this is, is it to rend one's enemies is to not is to see them not as equals, but objects hollow of spirit and meaning. Usually when you see a sociopath, that is actually exactly why they can do the things they do without it affecting them is because psychologically they don't perceive they don't perceive humans as coexisting entities. They view them as objects. So in a, in a true sociopathic uh, paradigm, another person is nothing more than a piece of furniture. You can move but, it, you can break it, you can do whatever. It does not actually have any yeah. emotive weight to it. Yeah, because you can't wrong an object. <laughs> right, right. And the, Right. And it, they, and that's why that's why they they can do those some of the and, and this is not this by the by the way, this is not to say this is a commonality between all of them because uh APD, which is antisocial personality disorder, is it is an immensely varied diagnosis. Uh the personality disorder is is it's like it's like autism like it's 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 a range um generally this is the common assumption about sociopaths though so that's that's when i read that particular flavor text that's the first thing that springs to mind um just like with the last word we spoke pretty heavily about the this gun as well in the weapons of sorrow episode as well as i believe the last word and thorn episode namely because that's exactly what they're called um and then the the last connection i have for thorn is my little pet theory about the mark of the devourer uh being a nod oh do you remember who it was why am i suddenly drawing a blank on it Mark of the Devourer. I'm going to, I just completely blanked. Give me a second. What what are we talking about? I'm trying to remember the connection, the Egyptian connection. Between the Devourer? Mm hmm. Bum, 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 man. Oh, the the crocodile guy? Yeah, the crocodile guy. In, in Egyptian... Okay, so as far as... I don't remember his I name. I just completely blanked. It was, I was like talking was actually, and I was like, and there it goes. Uh, the guy who, once your soul is judged, if you are... He, he nom-noms you. He are we talking about Amit? Amit, yeah. Yeah, it's a female demon uh, that was... <laughs> Part lion, hippopotamus, and crocodile. Yeah, hippos. Hippos um, are terrifying. By the way, that's another yeah. thing you should go look up, See, Justin. The, Just record the your response. No, I'm good. Yeah. So this is the mark of the devourer. <clears throat> so this was in episode 23 when we were talking about the weapons of sorrow. I went kind of on a rampage about Amit being uh, connected to the mark of the devourer because. The Amit is the entity which the souls of the dead are fed to, basically, if they're not found worthy of entrance to Aru, which is akin to uh, the after. It's basically the afterlife uh, in a process called the Trial of Maat, which has huge connections to the Trials of Osiris and Mercury, and there's there's thousands of connections there. But um, 
those who were found worthy were first actually purified by a passage through a flame island, Mercury, where they experienced a triumph over evil and rebirth into a rue, which is basically Mercury and the lighthouse. Um, but the thing basically about um, Mercury, yeah, it's basically Mercury. Um, Amit is like Justin was saying is a part lion, hippopotamus, and crocodile, which just historically are the three largest man eaters in the Egyptian world. So yes, it's just rude. Hippos will actually eat you. Don't go try to pet them. Um, and the way that the the figure Amit is displayed in hieroglyphics and in most of the artwork is actually a crocodile with a mane. Um, if you look at the perk icon for the Mark of the Devourer and you actually flip it, which is kind of weird, but if you if you look at it and flip it, so it's so imagine it's upside down and you write it up. It is very similar to a common portrayal of Amit. Um, so just a little bit of a stretch, I am aware. But to me, that was like I was looking at it and I was like, that looks really familiar. Um, and so that's what that's my Osiris connection. So I don't know. I don't know who wants to stop me from going into the connection between shaders and Osiris. But Mm-mm. I don't ever because. <laughs> It's a thing to behold. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there so there goes chat. Chat just made yep. the comment. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yes. Aru's passage is a shader, and that is why it is called Aru's passage. It's because in the mythology, chat, that is what it is. Do you want us to finish this podcast? <laughs> I, I mean, it's already after midnight. It's after midnight. All right. You want to so do pulse is- rifles? Let's knock out pulse rifles. Let's do pulse rifles. All right. So the pulse rifle is designed for precision fire and type shot grouping. Three round burst provided added punch with reduced recoil compared to fully automatic weapons. Skill shooters often walk the burst from the target's center of mass into or onto the head. <laughs> bad so, juju. What was my pulse rifle sound? Your good? bad juju. I don't know. It kind of. Yeah. All right. Bad juju. If you believe your weapon wants to murder all existence, then so it will. Tolan the Shattered. There must be a structured mechanical explanation for this weapon's hunger for combat. There must be, but none has been found. So. I found the explanation, by the way. Is it because Tolan talked about it? Nope. It's. It's got to do with the vulture skull. It's not a vulture skull. <laughs> I actually no, I seriously did some digging on this one. That is actually a hawk skull. It is a tiny What was hawk. it? No, no. Saying, nope. What? All right. I'll <laughs> slide on that one. <laughs> so it's gonna happen. I'm just, I'm tell just me. It's just gonna happen. <laughs> No, no, I mean, continue. As far as... Gosh, I hate you, Justin. Uh, what? First time ever I've said it, too. What did uh, I do? A juju. We're going to go into the mm-hmm. definitions of it. So a juju is a spiritual belief that using objects, like, for example, amulet, voodoo bones, beads, and spells that are used in uh, religious practices, specifically used in Haitian voodoo. Um, Witch doctors and magic men would often adorn themselves in their houses with juju, such as skulls, through thought to give them power. 
some of these powers, possibly immortality, strength, mental health, and predicting the future. And then it's also named after the gun itself is named after a poisonous bean in Africa by the French. So, or yeah, the juju is. But as far as the design on the gun, I went digging and I found the type of bird. <sighs> the type of bird skull that is on the gun is a black hawk. It is an important Haitian voodoo spirit honored in the southern U.S. So it's more related to uh, Texas voodoo than it is anything else. But it is definitely a black hawk skull. And if you just look it up, there it is. Uh, if, if you just look up a black hawk skull. I was skull, muted before. <laughs> oh, Okay. That's why it was, I was. I did it like three I, times by now, and I was waiting for you to. I was like, "She's got a poker face, like you would believe." I, you know, we better not play poker when we go down to Florida because I really don't. I really, really, really don't. But uh, if you look up the the skull or look up that that bird's name that I said, I won't do it again. I promise. Go ahead, feel free. So if you look up a black hawk skull on. Google, one of the images is literally just this skull sculpture that is black and it is almost identical to the one that is used on the actual gun. Hmm. So that's my imagery art. I like it. Side. And perks. Perks for bad juju is string of curses. String of curses. String of curses. Uh, after each kill, this weapon's going to reload instantly and increase damage for a short time. Kills also help charge your super. Uh, it also can fire in full auto mode, and it has bonus accuracy when firing from the hip. And, and then it's got an amazing ornaments. It curses at you. It says lots of bad words mm-hmm. towards you. That's yeah, it's it's actually censored. That's it's like R2D2, that's why it's all censored. Um mm-hmm. Dragon's Bane is one of the favorite ornaments for this one, and that is the one that replaces the the aviary sa- uh, skull with a more mythological skull. Um namely that of an Ahamkara. And then Say um, what? I say what? Mm-hmm. And then uh Hudum is I believe a playoff hoodoo, which is another form of voodoo. Um, that you do. That you do. When you do. The oh, thing God. that you do. The voodoo. That hoodoo. When, oh, I don't even I want, know anymore. It's, it's a, it's a Who am song. I? It's a song. Okay, move on. It's a, it's a um, and this is, again, this is kind of another weapon that Uni will go on rampages with because Bad Juju is a is an oddity for a pulse rifle. It actually is, if I remember right, this is actually built on a scout rifle base. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot, for the life of me, remember what the scout rifle is. Uni knows all this by heart. I think it's a Tempest. Is that... I, I can't remember. Uh, no, that's, that's that's another pulse rifle base. It's it's one of those blue ones. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a like a legendary or anything like that that I'm aware of. But anyway, so it's a pulse rifle, but it's basically an augmented scout rifle, um, which is really kind of wonky. But uh, yeah, again, summon Umi. Say bad juju 
uh, was built on a scout rifle in Discord, and he'll like pop up. Be like, did you say something? Yeah. It's considered a uh, weapons of sorrow, isn't it? Uh, isn't that? It's, isn't it debatable that it is? It's a very, very hotly debated item. It is considered a guardian's attempt at building a weapons of sorrow. It's a weapon of borrow. I'll go yeah. with that one. But um. Sh- <laughs> And then um, I know we don't really have a lot of time to explain this next gun, but Justin, do you want to try? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I've got no time to explain. A single word etched into the inside of the weapons casing. Soon. Navarro's timeline analysis indicates the weapon is the fabled Exo's Stranger's Rifle. Enhanced at a future point in this continuity and then sent back to this present. Delilah's timeline analysis indicates the weapon was built by Pradith, who based it on his own version of the Exo Stranger's rifle and then sent it adrift in a time ripple. Hari's timeline indicates the weapon was built by beings of unidentifiable origin and arrived here by pure accident. Inoxus's timeline Analysis indicates the weapon originates from Earth, late Golden Age, and will eventually be lost to time ripples once again, where its systems will degrade and be replaced until our recent past acquires it as the Exo Stranger's Rifle. As for me, I think it's safe to say the weapon is proving far more fun than we could have hoped. The second to the last paragraph gives me heartburn. (laughs) Why do we even know? The various timeline explanations. I feel like that's a literary form of a middle finger from Bungie. Like they're like, just have fun with this, stupid. <laughs> trying to figure out. Oh, it's like, okay, so the other thing is this: is this the Cryptart talking in this gun description? Um, no, no. This is or clearly else? these are these are future war cult analysis no, analysts. Jesus. Yeah, sadly, I'm Navarro, Delilah, Ari, and Inoxus. Right. So this is clearly Lakshmi. (laughs) Chioma. You had to slip it. You you had to slip it in there. (laughs) I didn't slip it. I trust it. So honestly, blue, blue. Do you okay? Stop when you stop agreeing. Say stop. Okay. Navarro, Delilah, Hari, and Inaxis are future war cult operatives. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, this is a summary. In in essence, this is a summary prepared by a future war cult handler of these operatives. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are most likely candidate for this handler based on current knowledge of future war cult hierarchy is Lakshmi. Right. Hmm? But here, but why? Okay. So when they use the device and they do all these different dives into the different timelines into the different futures and everything like that, most of them go crazy. So Mm -hmm. we don't have very many accounts by any of them that we know of that are actual accounts that are sane. Mm-hmm. This sounds very sane. Mm-hmm. This sounds very clinical. Yeah. Why, I mean, why? 
Well, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And you tell me dead orbit's vicious. I didn't say dead orbit was vicious. Gotcha. I said Arachid Law sounded annoying. <laughs> um I, I, I my my counter argument to that really is we know that there are there are I guess you would call so the tower <clears throat> the faction representatives are actually just that they're just representatives to the tower from the faction they're not actually well we we don't know how high they are in the hierarchy of the factions um, but we do know that new monarchy for example has people who report to uh, Hideo because that's what the entire lighthouse card is. Mm-hmm. is someone writing a report to Hideo. Now, it's very clear because it, it's a very, you know, set out very clearly as a as a discourse that is directed towards Hideo. Um, so what my counter argument to that is, I would argue that no, we can't just immediately assume that Lakshmi is the one that's speaking here because it could easily be a research specialist that is reporting to her what is being gathered from the people. Um, the other thing is, is like, I, I understand the assumption that they are using the machine to make these, uh, adjustments or analysis. But the other thing you can do is you can also look at a, um, a actual data, data analysis, like a data analyst that doesn't require them to go into the machine. They're basically concatenating the data that they have available from all the other, individuals who both are in the machine uh the the future workhold is also we know one of the few organizations that have notes on Pradith. this yet again is another connection here for this being a future workhold report and we know that hari actually was involved in getting the machine if i remember that correctly one of, i think it was hari's team that was actually in the area that got the machine if i'm and i'm that's off my top of my head so i'm not 100 percent sure on that one um, but that is to say that the timeline analysis doesn't nece- doesn't necessarily mean that it was from the machine. It could mean that they did a spectrum, you know, a spectrum analysis of the gun. Um, you know, they could have done a number of different things to actually test the age of the gun. Uh, you know, there, again, future tech, we don't really know what we have, but, um, I'm just I'm not 100% sold that this is people who were in the machine necessarily as much as it's probably someone who is concatenating all the data that has been gathered over the time about this one individual thing. So, okay, boiling that down to super cliff notes stupid green version. Everybody's perspective turns up a different analysis right. of the gun. Yes, mm-hmm. because the gun doesn't have time to explain itself. Or the gun is constantly <laughs> fluctuating between all the different... There, there's also well, that, that argument, too. It, it, it could be a conflux of sorts. It exists in a few different space-times all at once. Well, and that kind of that that keystone definitely. I mean, it also kind of nods to one of the perks is the um, the rewind again perk, which is one of the name the the main perks is precision hits are immediately returned to the magazine, and that's that perk is called rewind again. Um, 
And then you have Head Seeker, which is basically you increase precision damage when you get body shots. And then it can also be fired in full auto. Uh, but that rewind again perk kind of makes a nod to the, the time manipulation that this gun purportedly has. Okay. I'm with you. I mean, does that make, like in the same way that yeah. the Mythoclast cycles through time space to make it and have no charge time. No, it's not the same, but okay. Oh my God. <laughs> it's well, it's, it's, it's different, slightly different tech as we know. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm so just gonna we've, throw my bone. All right, let's we've talk. now made our way to the first gun in this whole list that I haven't had. Yep. You don't have this? Nope. Mm-mm. I have this. Well, we have well, a Mythoclast. Your MLG, I have a Mythoclast. I don't need this. I like this gun. I like this gun a lot. Set phasers to fun. <laughs> Set phasers to red. Uh, okay, so we are talking about the Outbreak Prime. And it's... This card is a couple of quotes. <clears throat> it's first one is from Ghost, and it says, "This is an advanced golden age technology tied to the death of some of the light's greatest champions. It's currently being used as a tool of the fallen to push the limits of bioevolutionary realities. And you're kit bashing it together with projectile-based war systems to make a handheld mechanism that delivers aggressive nanomites." To which Shiro Four responds, "That's one way to put it." All I know is, when you pull this trigger, 1 plus 1 equals 0 every time. I've done the math. This is why I like Shiro. I love this gun. Does that actually work in, like, maybe some weird hexadecimal version of math? (laughs) Blue would know. I don't, I have no idea. I don't Blue, do. I don't. I don't. Right now. I don't. I don't mess with hex if I don't have to. <laughs> the uh, well, I, one plus one equals zero. <laughs> no, one plus one equals freaking two. Oh I'm my gosh! Oh yes, technically, I think there is a argument for mathematical fallacy. Okay, so. <laughs> but I really don't want to get into this this argument because just from the summary that I pulled up, my head already hurts. Uh, mine so equals let, two. Yeah, let's let's talk about the perks of the Outbreak Prime. <laughs> so the perks. First perk is virulence, and this is when precision kills, you get a Siva Nanite Swarm that attacks other enemies. It's really super annoying. Um, the other, awesome. the other, not if you're on the receiving end of it. Um, play in Crucible with it. That's what I was just saying. If you're on the receiving end of it, it's really annoying. The other perk is Outlaw. So precision kills with this weapon dramatically increase reload speed. I'm starting to sense a pattern here. And then we have the corruption spreads. And this says the enemies that take repeated hits from this weapon spawn Siva nanites that attack other enemies. Fallen take extra damage. So this gun really likes dealing precision damage and especially loves it when you do a precision kill. This gun makes hard mode raid cheesy. Cheesy, easy, breezy, lemon squeezy. Cover girl. Yes. Oh, no, sorry. I misread away your girl with that. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Um, it could have been cover girl. I don't think cheesy. I don't think cheesy was in their slogan, but it's okay. <laughs> 
what's the <laughs> the etymology for it? Uh, outbreak is an epicenter of a contagious outbreak. Uh, you know, think of uh, Ebola, the Black Death, something like that. That is an outbreak. Prime. There are a couple different ways to play on this. Prime in mechanics is the preloading of equipment or a device such as a pump, which this relieves strain and actually allows the media to move freely from the source. So you prime something in mathematics. It is a number that is not able to be divided by any positive number. Hence the one plus one equals zero. And then also in algebraic parlance, a prime is a false proof, which is the proof that a paradox exists if you fail to consider the inherent value of the number zero. Again, one plus one equals zero. And can I can I just state, and I'm not going to get into the specifics, but there are multiple mathematical proofs where one plus one equals zero. Yes, there are also math, multiple mathematical proofs where one plus one equals three. Mm-hmm. Not all of them I'm are math. Anyways, moving I'm on. And like that doesn't erode my core, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> you want to talk about Red Dead? I do want to talk about Red Dead. Does Green want to say something more about Outbreak Prime? Uh, as far as lore goes and the how to get the gun, the missions for how to get this gun are actually quite clever. If you work out the math yourself... It's a headache and a half, but you can do it. I did it. Last math class I took was in high school. I could still figure it out. So if I can do it as a music teacher with a degree in music and not having taken algebra two and college algebra since high school, people, you guys can do it. It's awesome. I know blue. I don't care if you don't like it. This gun is awesome. (laughs) And one, two, three, one, two, three. Let's go on to Red Death. Justin. I want this gun. I'm not going to lie. Exo- <laughs> you had me. Green, you had me an exotic pulse rifle. I've never um, I've never used it. What? I've never used this gun. Oh, this, wait. This gun's fun. Red Death? Uh-huh. It's time for you to hear from, from a good friend of the show called Fred Death. Fred Why haven't you used Red Death? What's missing? What's missing from your daily grind? <laughs> What's missing is the fact that I don't, know, I don't like to seem cheap in my in my kill. You don't you don't like to be healed. Okay, Reddit. Like a life suck. A Vanguard policy urges guardians to destroy. The, I'm just kidding. It's like, Vanguard policy the show, urges everybody. the guardians to destroy this weapon on site. It is a guardian killer. Only rumors tell of the mad guardian who fashioned this butcher's tool. But its power is undeniable, and fear is a formidable weapon. It's weird to have such negative connotations around a weapon that's so positively founded. This weapon's primary perk, the Red Death perk, makes you reload faster and regen health upon a kill. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, Red Death was my go-to in, in Crota. Like yeah. seriously, pop pop a thrall, pop Done. a thrall, region health. Switch to Mida. <clears throat> I didn't Yay, have to. Mida. I I literally did not have to wear a region health helmet most of the time. 
Yeah, no, I, like I just it. always carried red. Yeah, I did. I did the same. I just carried Red Death. Dude, Red Death is amazing. Do you know why, Blue? And you'll get this because you're a Halo guy. Battle rifle, much? Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is exactly. And it has unflinching. It has unflinching, which was amazing. So yeah, and I know you already talked about the Red Death perk, which is the healing and your speed up reload. Yeah. But it also and has also no. Go for it. Go for it. No, I was just gonna say most of it has been inside of somebody. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that that little <laughs> trivia fact too. If you look if you look at the picture, this thing over fifty percent of Red Death has been inside of somebody. This thing is this thing is a surgeon's tool. And I don't mean that as a, I don't, I don't want to be on that guy's table. Like that thing. That's how a bayonet should look. If had an office next to 7-Eleven, that That is, that is how a bayonet should look. Um, The other perk on Red Death is unflinching, which is really, really nice with the pulse rifle because it basically kind of negates that flinch that you get when you get hit (laughs) with things. So it's, it's easier to aim. Um, and I actually I haven't gotten any of the ornaments, but the I think it's the White Witch is the one that the White Witch is Shadow White Red Death. Yeah, I love it. it's like oh yeah. So it I, I, I Red Death is a situational gun, but yeah, pins and chat. Crota made me a believer in Red Death. I, I think that um, that entire raid. Fred Death is real. Okay, Fred Death <laughs> is you invoke him when you use Red Death. <laughs> And then um, Rhino, again, gave us some trivia facts on this one. The Red Death is actually a fictional plague that had symptoms described as causing dizziness, delusions, and profuse bleeding at the pores. Uh, This is very commonly associated with the literature The Mask of the Red Death, which was a gothic short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, And it's basically interpreted as telling the story of a man's inability to escape death or death is an inevitability. And the life of the ebony clock went out with with that of the last, and let me see, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. basically, you can't get away from death. (laughs) Which which for Edgar Allan Poe is a rather common theme. It's actually Um, a super awesome story. If you haven't read it, it's a... It's a great one to read. Yeah, it is. It is a really good one. Um, actually, most of his are really good. But um, uh, yes, Shadow Price. Shadow Price. I was reading. I was just making sure I got all the trivia. Uh, he notes that Shadow Price, which was known to be Toland's gun and Red Spectre, which is believed to be the prototype of Red Death, do have the same aesthetics. I know. I know I'm going to shout out the same YouTuber twice in one podcast, but Mylan Games actually has a pretty cool video about how the maker of Red Death may have ambushed and killed the maker of Soros Regime. Um, oh, that's interesting. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, it's it's been foily as hell, but that's, that's my wheelhouse. So check it out. Pop right. culture reference: Red Death is the name of a character in Captain America. Nice. That's, that's Red Skull. Not, not Red, Red Skull, Skull, but Red Death. It's Red Skull. My bad. I was no, it's okay. To throw something in. No, no, no. That's fine. Red Skull. Red Skull had a Red Death. He yeah. did. When Captain America throws his mighty shield. <sighs> 
All right. Do you want to jump into scout rifles? <laughs> we should. Um, scout rifles. So as an archetype, scout rifles, the preferred weapon of the season marksman. The scout rifle is a single shot precision firearm favoring accuracy above all else. The scout rifle packs increasing increased stopping power to counter its low rate of fire. It should not be like getting shot by an Apache helicopter. Fate of all fools or whatever uh, freaking treads upon stars or whatever's been shooting me. All the things, all the things, all the time. You. Yeah. All the things have been shooting me. So right. Stop and, it. Yeah. I like scout rifles though. I mean, as far as archetypes that I tend to play with scout rifles are probably yeah. my go-to for long range. In all shadow. All shadow. Well, let's go into, um, I'm going to, I'm going to call it the Boolean Gemini. Boolean, Boolean Gemini. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Fight your way. City foundries produce a wide variety of weapons in an attempt to anticipate guardians' ever-changing needs in the battlefield. But no guardian can carry all guns at all times. Enter the Boolean Gemini. Designed by a think tank of guardians and foundry representatives, Gemini was designed to be two guns in one with a flexible design that allows guardians to toggle between distinct combat styles for maximum efficiency. This gun looks also kind of like it has like the race car paint job on it and has it looks like the number is it eight seven eight four seven or nine four seven on the side of it eight four seven yeah i I used this gun for a little while. It sounds like you're hitting a chain link fence with a hammer it does yeah as far as its perks like its its main perk that goes it has hammer forged single point sling, perfect balance, unflinching high caliber rounds. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty decent weapon. It's nothing, it doesn't have any, like, named perks that are named for it, but it's as far as it's literally Boolean, meaning a binary variable having two possible values called true and false. So it's if it's Boolean, it's true or false, and then Gemini are twins. Mm-hmm. One's so, true, one's false. So it's back into the idea of the duality of the mm-hmm. game. That'll be a fun thing to talk about with some of the guys back in chat. I know there's some of you guys who have been bite, biting at the bit, chomping. Still at trying the to figure out what eight four seven means, but yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot, and also there's a, a interesting, somewhat star symbol somewhat sun symbol that is on it. Mm-hmm. Don't think that's a foundry symbol. Just getting a quick glance well, at it. Also, there's, there's mention of a Gemini is a type of star, correct? Mm-hmm. It is. And there is such a thing as a binary star. There is. There's, well, okay. Reaching, reaching, reaching as far as back into the astrology or astronomy, not astrology. A binary star or binary stars are two stars that circle around the same same area 
within a mm -hmm. universe or within a it's not their own solar system but singular it's called a berry center yeah there we go and systems of two or more stars are called multiple star systems um but yeah that's what i see when i see this boolean gemini gemini it's there's not a whole lot as far as that gun goes. Yeah. As far I as think we can move on. Like that. Yeah. Go to, to fate. our fate. Yay for fate. Because we're all fools for continuing this crazy path. And as far as this gun, this gun actually has probably the most disappointing grimoire card. Because it is the shortest. And there's nothing extended on it. Fate of all fools. The wise man knows his fate. The fool merely finds it. That's it. That's all there <laughs> is. That's that's, and that's about all. As long as I've played with this game, this gun, it's not a. Well, no one's played with. There's like one player in the whole game who's played with this gun. Right. Isn't it? That's it. One. Well, yes. There was one player in year one who had it, but that was it. It wasn't supposed to be out. It's not out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it he was got re, it by it accident. Re, no, he did not get it by accident. He did not get it by accident. He was, this is, this is one of the big things that Bungie did uh, back in vanilla. Or I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was vanilla. Um, this gun will later was later basically reskinned to create the Jade Rabbit. But Fate of All Fools is a gun that we have one gun in the entirety of the game for. And that gun was given by Bungie to an individual who it was found out was using Destiny to um, help with his recovery from brain surgery because the hand-eye coordination uh, triggering with the video game playing was actually helping him recover the use of all the, the processes of all that. So Bungie actually gave him Fate of All Fools. So there is one weapon in the game that is the Fate of All Fools, and that individual is the owner of that gun, um, and that is the only instance of this gun to ever be in the game. And I kind of like that. I, 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 I have no problem at all with that. I think that... It, I would like my mythic class a lot better if I knew <laughs> I was the only person who had experienced it. Yeah, the, the perk... like the, They have stats... Uh, well, they have a breakdown on uh, Destiny Tracker that we have linked in here. Obviously, the PvP weapon insights, you know, like stats is kind of non-existent. Or non-existent. Um, because... Like I said, only one gun exists. Uh, the primary perks of this gun is the Fate of All Fools, which is basically the chain body shots to gain bonus um, damage on your next precision shot and returns ammo to the mag. Plus, it has Zen Moment, which is causing damage with this weapon, increases its stability. And then, yeah, like they're saying in chat, this is this is this is the true exotic in the game because there is only one. Cool. Yeah, it, it's it's a really it's a really cool story. Um, I think it's still up over on Reddit. You'd probably have to search. You probably have to dig through a mm -hmm. while of posts because I mean, like I said, it's 
it was a very long time back. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's one of the, one of the things that, you know, reiterates again, that Bungie is a, is a bit, bit different from a lot of triple a titles. That's cool. Yeah. I'm just reading through some of Rhino's notes. Um, mm-hmm. Having the connection to the verses in the Old Testament and Ecclesiastes. Uh, so, I mean, the definition of fool is like another name for a man who's vain or futile. Both wise and foolish lives in the same way which in death. Interesting. I mean, there's... As far as the Ecclesiastes story, do you remember this one? I mean, as the whole story of it, uh, this is not one I'm super familiar with. It it's basically wasn't isn't. Let me just check real quick. So it's got it starts on verse twelve. I think he has it has it linked underneath mm-hmm. the mind map. So I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will the man do who will come after the king except what has already been done? And I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I know that one fate befalls them both. Then I said to myself, as is the fate of the fool, it will also befall me. Why then have I been extremely wise? So I said to myself, this too is vanity. There is no lasting remembrance of the wise man's, wise manas with the fool. I think that was supposed to be man's with the fool. Inasmuch as the coming days, all will be forgotten and how the wise man and fools alike die. So I hated life for the work which had been done under the sun previous to me because everything is futile is futility and striving after wind. I mean, that's a, that's actually a really cool passage. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically everything that's worth anything is from labor. That also reminds me of, uh, one of the Macbeth speech. Yes. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with this. But I will. I'm gonna go read it now. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, <clears throat> you want to jump to the the best gun ever? The gun that is taken uh, over the whole game again. I might have forgotten about this one. Um, I hate you. So we bit. we can we can talk about this one. So this is the Mida multi tool. Select application, ballistic engagement, entrenching tool, avionics, trawl, troll smasher, stellar sextant, list continues. Few weapons are balanced this precisely. Once you get a feel for the multi-tool, it will sit weightlessly into your hand. Firing it will feel less like an action and more like an extension of your will. Sounds like a stapler. It's the most accurate <laughs> grimoire ever. <laughs> trolls. The part smash. I read at the end sounds like a stapler. <laughs> no, no, the troll smasher. 
Oh man! When have you I ever have... smashed a troll with this thing? I have totally smashed people with this gun. You have pecked away at a troll till he died of boredom. Died of boredom? <laughs> I dance around him. I become the troll. Yeah. So the perks on the Mita is the Mita multi-tool perk, which basically boosts your move speed, and it also makes the gun fire on a hair trigger. You're and then, and then third eye which means your radar stays active when you're ADS. <clears throat> um, and it, like, increases your speed significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, the trivia for Mida. Mida is actually believed to be a callback to Marathon. And that is, there is an acronym for Marathon that means Martian Interplanetary Defense Alliance. Uh, Marathon, you know, for those who might not be familiar with that title, is one of Bungie's first games. And this information was actually found in a terminal. Yes, they had did terminals back even then on level The Rose, which is another kind of interesting tie there. Um, The Mita is actually the name of a political faction in that game. Uh, that briefly seized control of Mars before later being defeated by the UEG, and then Mida later evolved into a terrorist organization. So that's a little bit of history behind that acronym. I know a lot of people ask where Mida came from. Uh, And then, you know, kind of looking at a multi-tool, multi-tool is basically a versatile tool that combines several individual functions into a single unit. Best example, Swiss Army Knife. You'll never go without a corkscrew. Uh, mm. <clears throat> an entrenching tool. So we're going to break down the flavor text just a little bit. Entrenching tool is a military spade or a survival spade that is used for digging. An avionics trawl is an electronic system that's used on aircraft, spacecraft, and other flying vehicles. And a trawl is actually the wing brake uh, in a also, you know, if you want to go into the dangerous waters of leet speak, it is also an alternative spelling of the word troll, which brings us to Troll Smasher. Trolls in fantasy are the ugly and slow-witted creatures that inhabit isolated areas often described as miserable. They're also known as an in- internet antagonist or someone who is seeking to disrupt anyone and anything by engaging in abusive behavior which includes, and not limited to, taunting, ridicule, or being disrespectful. We appreciate the Troll Smashers. Uh, And then the last one is Stellar Sextant. And a sextant is a device that kind of looks like the six of a circle, and it's used primarily for measuring the positions of stars. Uh, Cool little thing on the Mita, there is a compass, and no one knows what it's pointing at. So everyone, I know there's a number of different theories about is it pointing at the traveler? Is it pointing at, you know, something else? Like, what what is it pointing at? It's always pointing at something. Whenever you land, it's always fixated on a different point within each zone. <clears throat> but yes, that's 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 the amazingness of the Mita multi-tool. It it Mita be even better than the Mythoclass. He must be muted. Wait for it. Fight, 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 fight. No. Oh, man. No way does an or does a gun that 
strives to be so ordinary at every turn. Even come close. It's so good. It's oh, so sounds I love, like I love my Mario. Okay. I do too. No, I know you do. And honestly, I don't blame you. Like, I don't know if that was supposed to be an insult or not, but we all have things that are very ordinary that we love. (laughs) That's why we love you too, Justin. (laughs) All right. You want to talk talk about the Jade Rabbit? (laughs) I'd like to, but I have no knowledge of it. Okay. So the Jade Rabbit. Uh, flavor text is what kind of harebrained scheme have you got in mind this time? Like many weapons of the dark age, the Jade rabbit was created from hastily reassembled and often poorly understood golden age technology. In this case, kinetic low atmosphere propulsion systems and use on Luna settlements. Even the weapons casing is cut from the plasticeel bulwarks of the first light installation. The significance of the markings. I'm not even going to try to read that or, quote, Jade Rabbit, end quote, are unfortunately lost to history. So there is, there's some, I think that's Chinese uh, text that is marking on there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the infamous bunny on it. Big, big shout out to Belle, who I think Mm -hmm. this is literally her favorite gun. This has a cool story, too. Mm Mm-hmm. The Jade Rabbit story is literally a story from Chinese mythology. And it if you look at the moon, the kind of the image, it, you can go to Wikipedia and see it too. You can get kind of the shape of the Jade Rabbit, which is where this kind of myth comes from. I think they talked about this myth in one of the other podcasts. I don't think it may have been Bell who talked about it. Yeah, I think when I can't remember, I do remember her mentioning this though. Mm-hmm. So the the Jade Rabbit actually went to the moon uh-huh. to try to conjure up the elixir of immortality to give back to humankind. Poor rabbit. How does this gun fit with that? How does the what the gun? How does the gun? What are the perks like? The Jade Rabbit. So, like, here's the fun fact: the perks are exactly the same as the Fate of All Fools. Well, that's not fun. Um, because, like I said, Fate of All Fools was actually kind of reskinned into the Jade Rabbit. <clears throat> so, the perk is the Fate of All Fools: uh, chain body shots to gain bonus damage on your next precision shot and return ammo to the mag. You also have Zen Moment, which causes dam causing damage with this weapon increases its stability and. And spray and play, which increases the reload speed of this weapon when its mag is empty. So this is not for a compulsor- compulsion reloaders. Don't play with this gun. Wait until you actually don't have bullets and then reload. It's impossible. I, I, I don't understand how you play that, but that's why I don't it use this. Oh, wrong. wait. Is this gun available to us? <coughs> no. No, not for <laughs> Because it's only available on PlayStation. Oh man! Oh gosh! Did I mean Jade Rabbit's popular in a lot of different video games? It's a reference everywhere. So, the next exotic scout rifle, which 
again, not fin for hunter hands, is the tlaloc. What was it? The tlaloc. <laughs> Release the storm. Really well. Hold nothing back. Uh, so, who wants to be Cora Ray? Not it. Green's going to be a Coral Ray. You ready? Okay. Master Ray. Gunsmith, what brings you here? Working on a custom piece. Are you? Yep, for a warlock. Hmm. And how are you finding the work? Yeah, you know, comes and it goes. Memory ain't what it was. Yes. Good to be back in the shop, though. I'm glad of it. Well, then, I, sp- I suspect you'll find some of my recent recent research quite interesting. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Who is this other banshee? Is this banshee? <laughs> I love how you can Pretty tell much. he was getting right into the mic. That's <laughs> why I'm here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I found you. Pretty much. I just, it might as I, well be Banshee because that's how I read it. <laughs> I just I just see Ikora just like patting that gunsmith on the head, whoever it is, just like you you just so you just go do your thing. Just just do do it. Oh, um so real quick, Tlaloc was actually part of the pantheon of the Aztec gods. Um he was the supreme god of rain. Uh, and also, by extension, the god of fertility and water. And widely worshipped as a beneficent god of life and sustenance. Not really how I imagine the dynamic, but okay. They also <laughs> sacrificed hearts. Sacrificial hearts were offered to this god. That's a little bit more in line with my experience. <laughs> With your experience. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. Uh, um, uh, Uni does note that based on the weapons frame and base stats, he is pretty confident that the Tlock is a heavily modified Amalon Tuonella SR4. Mm-hmm. And then let's look at the perks real fast for this. Uh, the perks are Grenadier, which kills with this weapon, reduce the cooldown of your grenades. Overflow, this weapon has better handling, rate of fire, and stability when this wielder's super is charged. And Eye of the Storm, which this weapon becomes more accurate as your health gets lower. Mm-hmm. And Justin's not allowed to touch it. I'm not, because for some reason they won't let hunters pick it up. But you know something that they will let hunters pick up? Touch of malice. Touch of malice. So, are you eager to use a scout rifle that appears as if it is homeless? (laughs) Keen to use a gun with a poncho? Touch of malice (laughs) is for you. With its own self-sustaining orb of hivey hiveness, Touch of Malice deals. I can't even keep doing it. Let them feel every lash, every curse, every touch of malice that they first dealt to me 
Eris Morn. I love it when they actually attribute quotes. It's one of the one things that doesn't make my my heart rate go up. Um, here am I, with the power to craft from my enemies' darkest secrets a weapon that could wound them at their core. So what stays my hand? When I behold the interiority of these cold, cold fragments, I see blind, squirming creatures. Every wound they give, they feel also upon themselves. Every bite they tear from the light only deepens, never fills the raging emptiness behind their terrible mouths. The voices are as loud as ever. My nightmares just as bitter. My cold black hatred burns as hot, but I feel something else now. Could it be? No. I refuse it. I will build this weapon. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the the death-dealing duck, as we call it. Because if you've ever <laughs> shot it, it sounds like crack, 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 which makes it so much it, better in King's Fall. <laughs> There's like five of them firing. <laughs> roll those malices. No, um, yeah, no, no. Literally, this is this is a homeless scout rifle. Is what it is. It's, um, it's literally. It's the uh, perks are pretty. Actually, I like these perks, or I like I like the the juxtaposition of these perks. The first one is Touch of Malice which is final round of the magazine regenerates and deals bonus damage at the cost of the wielder's life force. Um, and then you sound like a good deal. Uh, yeah, but then you compare it to touch of mercy, which three rapid kills will return a portion of the wielder's health. And then, um, 18 for all running at you. That's a great thing. Yeah, it's great. It's good. Uh, eye of the storm. Also is basically this weapon becomes more accurate as your health gets lower. So basically they kind of, it's, it's an interesting stacking on that particular perk. Uh, it's not even stacking. It's like, uh, well, no, because like the malice is it's doing injury, but it's also injuring you. Mercy's doing injury, but it's giving you health, which then feeds the malice. And then if you're doing the, if you're doing kink fall raid and you're in an aura in which you can take no damage, Quack on, quack on, quack on, just quack on. Yeah. Bubble Titans. So the pieces of the Touch of Malice are the Blade of Famine, the Shroud of Anuk, and the Ravenous Heart, which you have to obtain through the quest to get the gun, which I have never finished the last freaking step of the quest. It's on my, my, oh, the open screen when you pull up the, what is it called? When you see all the planets. The director? The, oh my god, it's on my director and I can't get rid of it. It's the one just thing wants, that's It just, just wants you to love it. It just I can't finish it. I can't do it by myself. Oh well that's a good reason. <sighs> yeah. That's I mean grabbing the different pieces and the pieces are literally what makes it look like especially the shroud. Homeless. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and let's see what else what do we have next oh hey look it's a it's a weird gun shotguns 
What are shotguns doing on the primary list? Butthead. <laughs> so shotguns, there are a few weapons that offer the comfort and familiarity of a shotgun. Built for close quarters combat, they provide immediate violent conflict resolution. Oh, universal remote. And that means it's universal remote time. Mm-hmm. To the untrained eye, this beast is junker. To the trained eye, however, this junker is a beast. It took great care and an incredible feat of fine-tuning to craft a weapon that packs a close-quarters punch yet has the range of a precision, precision rifle. Universal remote is that weapon. And until last week, it really was a sniper rifle. It says it's a shotgun. But that was also Fell Winter's lie. Oh, my God. That he put so... a sniper rifle in the shotgun's body. Yeah, but this one was like the the uh, go hard, try hard, run up, be still like 30 feet from you and still kill you. Oh, yeah. This gun was used. I used this gun. I will say that. I will. I will totally admit to using this gun and just taking advantage. Because you know, you gotta do what the meta tells you sometimes. <laughs> just gotta do it. It whispers. <laughs> it whispers. <laughs> whispers. Use me. Use this gun. Uh, the perks on this one. Well, the perks on this one is universal remote, surprise, surprise, and that is the range and precision damage increase greatly while ADS, and then it has crowd control, which means that kills with this weapon grant bonus damage for a short time. Also, hey, guess what? You can equip it as a primary weapon, which is an exotic perk in and of itself. Right. It's not really, Uh but it should be. No, it, yeah. Who would want to do that, though? The people who want to run a universal remote and a matador combo? I ran universal remote. Double butthead. Worked quite well. Mm. As far as a universal remote, it's a pretty easy definition that most people... It's a remote that can control multiple different devices. So, so moving on. <laughs> you want to talk about if we're going to talk about special weapons. Yes. This is my favorite type, but we're talking about primary weapons, so I'm very confused. Let's talk sniper rifles. The dangers present beyond the city's walls cannot always be met head on. The accuracy and power of a sniper rifle offers the best option for precise ranged attacks. Caliber and make differ but a good sniper can always remove key threats. Kakak. Why are we talking about during that during primary week? Because blue. there's no land beyond. Um, no land beyond. Every hit blazes the path to our reclamation. Rumors of this weapon's existence <laughs> sent many a guardian clawing through the corners of old Russia, seeking its legend. Some believe its origins predate the Golden Age and serve to liberate the old Earth nation from a terrible cycle of war. Others believe it a Golden Age relic built to honor the sniper and their art- artful approach to battle. To lean on the sole powerful of the power of the long rifle, nest where the enemy cannot see, trust in the power of calm, and know there is nowhere to fall back to. 
They did not just talk about reclamation. <laughs> but they Go did. Ahead, but they did. Uh, okay, this one. My uh, halo heart just just, just <laughs> completely just sunk. Pers- <coughs> the perks on this one is mulligan, which means that if you miss a shot, you have a chance to return ammo directly to the magazine, which is important because your magazine has one shot. Uh, and then and it's a bolt action. <laughs> it's a bolt action, so it takes forever unless you glitch it. Um, and then the other perk is the master, which is increased precision damage, kills briefly increased damage against next target. So, and then, uh, yes, primary care, which is actually the exotic perk that I was expecting to see on the universal remote. Uh, this exotic sniper rifle can be equipped in the primary weapon slot. And those are the perks. Do you want to green? You want to talk about the history of it just a little bit? Sure. The gun is actually modeled off of a historical snipers gun. Uh, Vasily Grigorovich Zatiev. Zaitsev. 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 There we go. Have you have you seen Enemy at the Gates? Awesome no. movie. Sorry. That's who that's about. Yep. Ah. That's cool. Jude Law played him. But go ahead. Uh, what's written on his monument in Grad is his famous quote. For us, there was no land beyond the vault. Which... Isn't the Volga a... River. Yeah, there we go. And then hero, uh, he was a hero of the Soviet Union in World War II. He killed 32 Axis soldiers with the standard issue Mosin Najit rifle, a bolt-action five-shot mm-hmm. magazine-fed gun. Variant is... And they, name. Yeah, no, I was going to say they actually gave one soldier the yeah. gun yeah. and another soldier the bullets, Stalin- and they paired up that way. Stalingrad was not was not the best place to be at that point. Actually, Stalingrad's never been the best place to be. But um, you get the gun, you get the bullet. The reason the reason why is because they had they had plenty of soldiers. They didn't have enough equipment, and the logic was in Stalingrad. The way they measured the progress was in six foot increments. Why? Because that's the average height of a Russian soldier. So basically, they were fed into a meat grinder, and their their instructions were, when you die, not not if, when you die, fall forward, so that we can say that we're conquering land. And that was, oh that was Stalingrad in a nutshell, was, it was a just complete meat grinder, um, which again, if you want, if you've seen Enemy at the Gates, they, they kind of, I mean, they do a pretty decent job of, um, yeah. that they, uh. Oh yeah, and then pins. Yes, the the uh, the number one assignment of Russian officers. So Russian soldiers had the bolt action rifle or a a a chunk of bullets. Uh, if they managed to survive to get to the city, which was a feat in and of itself, then they met up with their officers and they were basically put into regiments and you know marched into the city. The officers had these really cool Gatling guns that they set up mm-hmm. and um, they weren't used against the enemy. They were used against the Russians if they retreated. So they, they shot their own guys and then told them, Hey, you need to fall the other way. Uh, if you retreat, we're going to kill Like basically we will kill you or the Germans are going to kill you. You are going to die. Just make sure you fall that way. 
when you die. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful place That's that hardcore. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very, 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 very violent one. And the, the snipers were just, I mean, this is, this is kind of the rise, well, not the rise, but it was one of the, the conflicts that really saw a lot of emphasis on not just snipers, but also counter snipers um, mm-hmm. and more of that urban-esque combat situation because it was, I mean, it was in the middle of, of Stalingrad. I mean, it was, it was all urban combat, which again, Enemy at the Gates does, does a pretty fair job of showing exactly what that means. So something that drives me crazy about this gun, or at least the design of this gun, is it actually has the gun strap, little eyelets for it, oh, yeah. mounted on the stock of the gun and the butt of the gun, but we don't have an actual, we can't sling it over our shoulder or anything like that. Which There's really no, makes me sad. Me too. It would look cool. It would be a nice <laughs> way to wear it, or at least be able to see it. Right. I like using this gun. This is one that I will use. I use it a lot arms. in PVE. I go I go and sit up on top of a mountain and go on safari against the fallen. Big game. Big game safari. hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think we actually got through everything. I think that's it. it. <clears throat> Am I as as I'm about to die from being sick? Okay, let's see. Um, we actually did get a email this time, but just because the length of the episode, I don't think we're gonna get a chance to read it quite yet, or quite. I, I don't. I don't think we'll get a chance to really give it the discussion that it deserves um oh gosh yeah this would be it would be, be an episode yeah and and it's it's a great ep- it's a great email thank you julian for sending that in um but like i said i don't i don't want to do it a disservice by uh by shortchanging the response to it um ideas from chat i think we kind of covered <clears throat> we kind of covered everything as we went through um I know this was a longer one just simply because there are a lot of primary weapons. Next episode uh, is going to be the special weapons, which, you know, there there's, I, w- I won't say significantly less, but um, we had 25 weapons this time and there's only like 15 for the special. Uh, so it'll, it'll be a little bit, I'm hoping it'll be a little bit more concise uh just from time standpoint because we're gonna have less grimoire cards to to go through um big shout out for the uh the the team basically for putting together the mind map and helping out with that green thank you so much for all that um email topic for next week like i said exotic special weapons and then also reminder, we are going to be doing, it's actually going to be a pretty full week for us this next week. We have um, dropping on Wednesday, which will be March 1st. We're going to have a behind the, our behind the scenes episode, which is going to be talking to K Magic 101 and Finally! Guardian, yeah, 
uh, Guardian Outpost about streaming. <laughs> so we're going to be doing that. That's going to be aired on March 1st. And then also Wednesday night, which is going to be March 1st, that night, we will be recording our extra lore episode over Kingdom Hearts. And that will have Demigod back on. Uh, he, If you are in the Discord yeah, server... He is amazingly knowledgeable about the night, uh, the Kingdom Hearts series. So he's going to come on and teach us all about that. And then, like I said earlier, the next episode of Focus Fire Chat, just the regular podcast, will be on Friday night for the exotic special weapons. So big week. Um, get ready to get a lot of episodes, uh, and we'll love to hear love to hear feedback from that or reviews. We've gotten a couple of reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate that uh, that feedback. I've gotten a couple couple of comments on uh, Podbean. You can put comments on Podbean, or you can email them, or you can message uh, either of us, any of us, over in Discord. If you're on Discord and you just feel that that's easier, we we definitely do that. That's also a way you can send dispatches. Um, some people think that we'll just do emails. If you have an idea and you want us to talk about something, just send us a DM real quick over on Discord. Send us a message on Twitter, something like that. Any communication with us, we'll just share it with a group and I'll make sure to note it and we'll we'll talk about it if we can during the episode. So that's a, a lengthy shout out process. But uh, Justin, why don't you, you want to go next? Yeah, yeah. Justin is the king of lengthy shout outs. And I just want to say that uh, I just like to be, give a big shout out to everyone who sent their uh, snack sympathy to me and uh, <laughs> pledged their allegiance to me oh, God. in my battle against evil incarnate, which is the legless ones, as I call them. Um, yeah. Yeah. That will Death be going up snakes. on YouTube. Death to snakes. Um and then also just wanted to say uh, also just I think we're really close to 175,000 downloads and just want to say thank you to everybody um, for whatever reason you find this enjoyable and I appreciate that. So awesome. Big shout out to my clan. DOD Shadow White crew would never crawfish on that. Got to stay with that. Um Stuck with you guys. I found that out this week. No recourse there. Talk to a lawyer. I'm, I'm there. So, yeah. So, yeah, you guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, basically blue and green for having me out and, uh, you know, getting to talk some pretty awesome Hawkman lore. God. You know, I was actually ready for that one. I kind of, I, I kind of was as well. I was like, I'm wondering if he's going to try it one more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny. All right. Okay. What, what about you? Thing. Uh, my shout outs is kind of an announcement. We start American Gods next week. So Yay! like I said, said, we've got a big, That's big a book about week. me, right? Oh, Yeah. American oh, Gods, the Justin story. Sure. Have you read American Gods? It's not a really happy one. Yeah. It's okay if you haven't. Just just know that Shadow is awesome. You could Yeah, he is awesome. Totally. Yeah, you should pick it up, Justin. It's it's dark. 
It's a dark, good story, though. Sounds like something I'd like. It's a Gaiman yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we've got that going on. And then I just want to thank both you, Justin, and Blue for inviting me on to be actually a host of this. I was talking, trying to explain, and it's been kind of an interesting thing, explaining to people what I do on Friday nights when I can't go out or do things like normal people do. Oh, people are asking you to do things? Whoa, what? (laughs) People ask me to go out. No one ever asked me to do things, so it's not an issue. What's this like for you? This must be awful. I know. It it is. It must be awful. It must be awful. Okay, so having to explain to your mother <laughs> doing a podcast over a video game and it's oh, that's rough. It, I was just I had diarrhea. Just, you just I, yeah, I just <laughs> I basically have gone to saying I get to talk about all the useless information I used to bother you about and have fun with other people doing it. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I'm really I'm having fun with this. I'm grateful that you guys. Invited me on to do it, and I'm excited to see you guys and meet you in person in Florida. Oh, yes! In case anyone missed that note, we're going to Guardian Con. Oh yeah! Say what? And on that note, if you haven't seen the info dump on (laughs) Guardian Con and you're not following them on Twitter, you probably should start that because they are putting out a bunch of info on. The floor space, everything going <laughs> on, all the podcasters that are going to be there. Cough, cough, Guardian Radio, main main podcast. What, what? Gonna be. Yeah. And then uh, they've got an arcade set up going crazy, as well as the new partnership with the uh, St. Jude's. That's actually quite a bit more intimate than it was before. So if you haven't read about it, watch the stream, looked it up on Twitter, start looking at it now. If you haven't, wanted to go to guardian con because you're like, Oh, I'm not sure what's going on. It's not just destiny, which is kind of like, okay, it has its roots there, but it's a community based con. So go get your tickets. Now they're running out. There's no more VIP tickets. There's still a few two day passes. They definitely have one day passes. You should go and hang out with blue Justin and I, and get silly stringed like crazy because that's totally happening. <laughs> We're getting silly string. Don't tell Kashin. Maybe she's no, she's out in bed. She's <laughs> yes, not, she's still watching. Yeah. And there <laughs> has bother. been talks of pranks, yeah. future pranks possibly happening. Don't yep. bother Karen. She's my pet hawk. <laughs> okay. Your chicken hawk? <laughs> no. She's not a chicken. She's a regular hawk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seriously, go get your tickets. Come meet us. Come chat. <coughs> hang out. Oh man. Last 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 year I signed one autograph. This year my goal, two autographs. Someone please come make that happen. That possibility. Okay. okay, Blue. I'm gonna put a put my wife. On 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 the slam right now, she's gonna get one of the autographs from Justin if nobody else does it. Can you get Anna to do the other one? Yeah, we can probably do that. Sell that on eBay. No, Anna can't get an autograph from me. (laughs) All right, you guys ready? Yes.
With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Be sure to also check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.